on air for Fan for Racing, NASCAR Race Review of Phoenix. A uh, big weekend of racing this weekend on the West Coast, the last race of the West Coast Swing at Phoenix Raceway this weekend. There was the Arca Sioux Cheap Showdown on Friday night. That was an exciting race, uh, followed with the Xfinity Series racing on Saturday and the Cup Series on Sunday. Sal will be here shortly, and uh, he is our co-host tonight, Sal Segala, and uh, we will talk uh, about those races during this first half hour. We'll focus on the Arca Menard Series and the Arca Sioux Chiefs Showdown. Nine o'clock, our guest is team owner Bill McAnally with McAnally Racing. Uh, definitely looking forward to uh, catching up with him during that second half hour. Uh, he's got uh, a lot of new teams uh, this year with the uh, drivers and uh, definitely looking to talk with him. He's racing not only in the Arkham Menard Series West uh, and in the Sioux Chief Showdown, but he's also got a team racing in the uh, Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series this year with Derek Krause. So we'll look forward to chatting with him about that. Uh, at 9.50, uh, Sal and I will get into the Xfinity Series, and we'll do a quick review of the Xfinity Series racing at Phoenix Raceway. 9.30, the tire specialist from Bill McAnally Racing will come on board. That is Michael Mulder, and we'll catch up with him and his job uh, within a very uh, championship-winning organization. So uh, definitely looking forward to chatting with Michael Mulder. Uh, and at 9th, at, at uh, let's see, that I said 9.50, I meant 9.20, we get into the Xfinity Series review. 9.50, we get into the Cup Series review. Uh, and we'll uh, give you the updates there for the Cup Series at Phoenix. 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. That's when Andy and Jay will come on board and we'll talk about all of the hottest topics from the weekend of racing. So that's our overview for today. Uh, and Sal is here. Welcome back to the show, Sal Segala. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Well, we missed you the last couple of weeks. Jay did a good job of... Uh, standing in for you one week, and Andy stood in for you uh, the other week. Uh, so uh, we hope you had a really no, good I was time. No, I, I was here last week. You were here last week. You were here last week. What am I thinking? Okay. Yeah, what's up with I'm, that? I'm, I'm, <laughs> what's up what with that? What you talking about, Willis? Okay, well. What you talking about, we're Willis? We're still happy to. <laughs> We're still happy to have you here with us, Sal. <laughs> uh, so, uh, definitely uh, happy to have you here. Uh, okay, now uh, I want to kind of get in, Sal, into the Arkham Menard Series, uh, the Sioux Chief Showdown that took place at Phoenix this Friday. I know you said you got a chance to watch that race. Uh, I thought it was a pretty exciting event. Uh, Chandler Smith ended up being the race winner. Yeah, it was it was a really good uh a really good race. It was good to see them come back, you know, well not come back, but it was good to see them finally on the on the west coast. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you know compared to always being, you know, the, the I don't know what you call it the south what do you call it, the southeast, southwest or whatever. The right the coast. East, Arkham and Art Series East. <laughs> yeah, East Coast. Yeah. But I mean it was it was good to see it make a stop out here, you know, and 
Um, I'm, I'm sure the fans that were at Phoenix, you know, liked it, you know, if they had to have. But, um, you know, there's there some good racing and, uh, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, I guess some surprises and, you know, some not so big surprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Michael Self uh, was leading the series point standings uh, coming into the event, I believe. Let me see. Yeah, he still has that lead by 12 points. Uh, but Chandler Smith came in. He's going to run the full circuit for the Sioux Chief Showdown, and he won the very first race out of the gate for that series. Uh, and it, what's interesting is that the Sioux Chief Showdown is 10 races within the Arkham Menard Series 20-race schedule. So uh, it, it uh, was a head-to-head uh uh, competition there between Chandler Smith with Venturini Motorsports in the number 20 and Michael Self in the number 25 with Venturini Motorsports. It was it was really good racing, you know, and, and you know even through what Michael went through at the beginning of the race, you know, with engine problems, and then mm-hmm. for him to be able to come back as strong as he did, you know, at the end, it was uh, you know, it was a testament, you know, for the team and. You know, just this, just the drive that Michael has this year. I know he wants to win the championship, and um, you know, but um, like I said, you know, to have the engine problems that he had, and still come back and and uh, finish second without uh, without even leading a lap, <laughs> that was amazing in itself. That was amazing. That was amazing. Uh, Chandler Smith holds the points lead for the ARCA uh, Sioux Chief Showdown. But Michael Self continues to hold the series points lead in the Arkham Menard series. Now, the driver who led the most laps uh, on Friday night was the number 18 car of Ty Gibbs with the uh, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing Development Group. He, read a, he re- uh, led 122 of 150 laps. Well, yes, that was a lot of laps led. And, um, you know, almost, gosh, you know. How many, what was it? Uh, how many laps was that race? It was uh, 56, 56 laps. It was wasn't 150 it? laps. It was 150, 150 laps, laps, I thought. Yeah, that's right. Cause yeah. It was 150, on a one yeah, it was 150 track. miles. Yeah, on a one-mile track, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that definitely was a lot of laps led. And, um, uh, I mean, at first it was, I mean, Ty Gibbs really – looked like he was going to be the race winner. He looked like he was the guy to beat in that last restart. You know, his, you know, things got sh- changed up. Well, first now mm-hmm. got trouble lining up the drivers. I thought for a second they were going to start him off four wide because the lights were out in the pace car and the lights were off on the track. And they're coming around the corner to the start-finish line. They were four wide. I thought, oh, man, this is going to be great because you know how they always go down the apron, you know, you know, to try and catch that position. I thought, you got guys four wide and four wide in the back. and But then, you know, NASCAR threw the yellow and fixed it up. But, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of wish they would have left it like that and let them start like that. It would have been a pretty exciting uh, start, a restart. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, now, there were some drivers uh, that didn't have the race that they were hoping for out at Phoenix, and, and uh, we'll talk about some of those. Uh, a lot of them were East Coast drivers. Uh, you had Brett Holmes who had a communication problem in the number 23. Uh, so he didn't have the race he was looking for. Jesse Love from the West, the ARCA West series, had a crash. And so that ended his uh, day 
Uh, he drove the number 19 with uh, Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, you had Dad Moffat from the East had a crash uh, that took him out. He was driving the number 46. Tom Birdie in the 12 crashed. Sam Mayer, who won both the East and the West openers, uh, actually had a radiator issue that took him out of contention in the number 21 for GMS Racing. Howie DeSavino, number, the third, uh, had a crash that took him out of the, the number 32. Uh, Gracie Trotter, another Bill McAnally car, number 99, had engine problem. Uh, Tim Richmond in the 06, he's from Ottawa, Illinois here. He had some handling issues in his uh, car. He races with Wayne Peterson Racing. And then Ryan Huff, uh, in the number 10, had an issue with a crash, uh, part of Andy, Andy Hillenberg's group. So not the day that they were looking for, so. No, and, you know, and even, even you know, talking about Jesse Love, you know, for being 15 years old, you know, and getting a chance to race on a mile yes. track. I, I, I remember back when it, was the, when it was the West Series, you know, you had to be, you know, NASCAR required, you know, she had to be 18, you know, to, you know, to race on the, you know, on a, anything over a half a mile. And they've, you know, they've really changed. They had to because of the young, you know, all the young drivers coming up, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, lower the age group, you know, to, you know, to race on anything over a half a mile. And, um, you know, like you said, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, Sam, Sam Mayer looked strong at the very beginning of the race, you know, like, like he was really gonna, you know, be one of the, um, one of the uh, contenders out there, Zane Smith. Zane Smith for a while too. You know he was running up in the. Well, he finished top five. You know he, but mm-hmm. you know, he, he looked. He looked like another strong contender towards the end of the, towards the end of the race. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, Sam. Uh, getting back to uh, Jesse Love, he finished second in the season opener at Las Vegas uh, to Sam Mayer, who ended up winning that race. So. Uh, I think he turned a lot of heads with that second-place finish at the Las Vegas Bull Ring. So I, I'm sure we've got a lot more to look forward to there with Jesse Love. Uh, so let's go down the uh, running order here of how they finished. We mentioned uh, Chandler Smith and Michael Self finishing one and two. Both of those cars are with uh, – Venturini Motorsports. We also mentioned Ty Gibbs uh, from the Joe Gibbs Racing Organization finishing third. Uh, In fourth place was Tanner Gray, uh, another East Coast driver driving with uh, David Gilliland's team, DGR Crossley. And uh, another DGR Crossley car was Zane Smith rounding out that top five. So any thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, David and and, – Chris Lawson at the snowball derby before the season started, you know what? Um, you know, they, they didn't mention who their drivers were. I think only one driver had made a, had made a commitment to the, to the team itself, but um, they really, uh, you know, they, David's really put together a, a, a good, a good uh, thing this year. A good. Um, yes, he has. Yes, indeed. There's a lot to look forward to there. Uh, as well, and in this next five that we're going to mention, there are a couple more uh, DGR cars. Uh, in sixth place was Nick Sanchez. He races with Rev Racing uh, this year, and it was good to see him come home with a sixth place finish. Haley Deegan, a DGR car, uh, finished in seventh place. Chase Cabray from Rev Racing finished in eighth. Lawless Allen. 
uh, part of the uh, Hillenburg Group uh, with Auto Park. It finished in the ninth place. And Geo Skelsey uh, with uh, uh, Bill McAnally Racing rounds out the top ten there. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Sal? Yeah, you know, and actually Lawless is, 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 is a BMR car. Oh, it says Michelle uh, Hillenburg no, uh, on here. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know, but but he's 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 uh, he's the fourth he's the fourth uh, BMR driver this this year because the okay. um, the um, our second guest tonight, Michael Mulder, he he will probably talk a little a little bit about it, but he was with the um, he was with the uh, that team. Um, he, yeah, he was with Lawless Allen for uh, for for this race, and um, and then um, okay. I I know during. It was like the like the last day before before the first West race in Vegas. The few days before is when Lawless had made the announcement that he was going to be the fourth uh, DGR driver in uh, DGR. The BMR, they're so close to your DMR, BMR, but anyways, the BMR. The 12, I know. And that's the same. I know, <laughs> and, and actually, confusing. that's the same number he ran last year when he ran for Bill McAnally at the um, at Sonoma Raceway. Okay, okay. So that's a little little bit uh uh of a deceiving, I guess. I don't mean it in a negative way, yeah. but it's you know, it's a little confusing is maybe a better way to say it. It is. That. It's very confusing. Uh, I was confused too when, when I read it, and I was thinking the same thing. I thought why did they put um, you know, Michelle Hillenberg down when he's a BMR car, but then if you notice um, basically, that's that's like the owner because even when you go down to uh, to um, uh, gosh, there's another one too. Oh, Jesse Love, it's you know he's a he's his owner is Alex McAnally. But then you you go mm-hmm. down like Armani Williams and and uh, Tom Birdie, you know they're both Michelle Hillenburg. So I'm not too sure how that worked out. You know with that. Yeah, with I'm not that too deal, sure. So. <laughs> Yeah, it is but confusing, it is confusing to say the least. Yeah, it's confusing. Uh, but it, the race was very exciting, and uh, uh, I can't wait for the, the. You know, the very next race is also a showdown race. Uh, that's going to be April nineteenth at Salem Speedway, another short track. So uh, I, I think we'll have a lot to look forward to there as well. Uh, Twenty-four entries in this race, Sal. Uh, I don't think we've seen that many. Uh, in a long, long time. Yeah, you know what, and, and and that's just basically what what Phoenix brings out in the drivers, you know, because now that the NASCAR lowered the, you know, not they lowered the um, they lowered the uh, age limit, you know, a lot of drivers they want to get that that one mile track experience in. Yes, so this is a great opportunity for them to do that uh, at Phoenix. Uh, now, Salem is going to be a real short track, so uh, that's going to be interesting. And, you know, part of the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown, what that's all about is an opportunity for drivers from the East and the West and the and the main Arkham Menard series all to race those races for an opportunity to win that championship. So in addition to having a chance to win a championship in their respective areas, uh, they also have a chance to win this championship. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as the season goes on to see how how all of this plays out. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious too 
to see how it all plays out. It looks good at uh, Phoenix, uh, the very first race in that uh, ten race group, uh, and and we'll have to see how it looks uh, when they get to Phoenix. I don't know if we have an entry list yet. Uh, let me just check real quick and see if there is an entry list out yet uh, for that race. Uh, it is coming up. Uh, like I say, it, it, they won't be racing that race until April the 19th, so there's a little bit of time here before that next race happens. Uh, but, no, I do not see an entry list yet uh for the Kentuckiana Ford Dealers 200. Again, that race doesn't take place until April 19th, so we've got a little bit of time. But, yeah, I'll be anxious to see that entry list when it comes out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, and just to give you an idea of the other races that are all part of the Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, we started out at Phoenix. Salem Speedway is next. Uh, then they're going to go to a road course cell in May. May 29th, they'll be racing at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course uh, for as part of the showdown. Uh, then we, they go July 3rd, they go to Lucas Oil Raceway. Uh, July 11th at Elko Speedway in Minnesota. July 17th at Iowa Speedway. Then the WWT Raceway at Gateway on August 2nd. Uh, the Great Outdoors RV Superstore 100 will be at another road course, Watkins Glen International, on August the 14th. And then Bush's Beans 150 will be at Bristol Motor Speedway in September on the 17th. And the finale for the Sioux Chief Showdown will be at Memphis International Speedway on September the 26th. Uh, a lot to look forward to with these uh, 10 races that are all uh, also part of the uh, entire Arkham and Art Series 20 race set schedule. Yeah, it's going to be a good season for the Arkham and Arts again. We'll just see, you know, like it's, like I said, you know, I mean, you know, I know a lot of the fans are still, uh, you know, kind of still up in the air, you know, about what they're, what they're doing. But, um, you know, uh, I guess their next race is, I think the next race you mentioned was going to be the um, Salem Speedway. Salem, yeah. Then, then I don't. I know we got uh, five flags coming up too. Yeah, that's the Arca East. Arca East okay, yeah, will be Arca racing East. five flags right, yeah. Speedway. Yeah. yeah, Arca East is racing uh, five flags Speedway this weekend, and Jay's going to be there uh, on hand representing Fan uh, for Racing Blog and Radio. So uh, you'll, we can look for some good information there from Jay. He's writing a preview uh, for that race uh, that I, I should be getting either later tonight or first thing in the morning that we'll be putting up at fanforacing.com. So I, I'm, I, we'll have some good coverage of that uh, Arca East race out there at uh, Five Flags this weekend. You know, I'm trying to think, who do I meet out there for, at the Snowball Derby? Well, you probably met a lot of people, Sal. <laughs> no, I know, no, I know. One of one of our riders is out there. Oh. Oh, you met one of our riders out there? Yeah, one of our riders is out there. What well, I think it was Jay. It was probably Jay. Was it Jay? Yeah, I'm sure it was Jay. I'm trying to think. I know we took a picture together. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it was Jay. 
Yeah, it probably was. I wasn't there, but uh, I know Andy didn't go there. Uh, Sam Bornhorst, I suppose, might have gone there, but I, I don't think so. Um, I'm pretty sure oh, it was you know, probably you know, Jake. You know why? Because I, I keep thinking it was Michael. Michael? Oh, well, his name Mike. is Michael J. Huseman. Okay, yeah, but it's Michael. But we call him Jay. <laughs> his name is Michael J. Sal. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's why when you, when you said Jay, I was thinking, no, I, I met a uh, Huseman out there, but... but um. <laughs> but, okay. um yeah, so uh, <laughs> he'll do a good job out there. He's been out there a few times, so... He, he's he's going to do mm-hmm. an awesome job out there. Yes, yes. I have no worries whatsoever. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, uh, and and uh, you know, in the West, let's let's talk about the next West race because uh, the West is going to be racing again here as well. We we just talked about uh, the East being at Five Flags Speedway uh, this weekend on March twenty eighth. Uh, is going to be the next Arca West race, and that's going to be the Enyos 150 presented by Napa Auto Parts at one of your favorite tracks, Sal, Irwindale Speedway. Oh, yes, I'm def- definitely looking forward to that one. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Back down in my, yeah. home, my home, home backyard. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about getting the Arca Menard Series uh, uh, name out on the West Coast. I, I, I'm just really excited about that. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, I it's, think um, we're going to... I think you guys are really going to enjoy uh, being a part of that series. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to be a... Uh, it's only I think our season's only ten races though. Is our um is our Arkham and Arts West is only gonna be ten races this year. Is what is what right. we have on the you schedule. Have the, you'll have the ten races on your regular schedule and ten more races uh for those who want to participate in the Sioux Chief Showdown. Uh next up after the uh Irwindale Speedway in May you guys go to uh Douglas County Speedway, May twenty third. <laughs> Uh, is Utah's Motorsports Campus. Uh, I believe that's a road course. Is that a road course, Sal? Which uh, which one is that? Utah Motorsports Campus? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's, that's the that's, road course for you guys. Yeah, and and actually that's the old, um, that used to be the Miller, Miller Motorsports Park. Okay, and then on June 6th, you guys go to uh, Colorado National Speedway. June thirteenth is Sonoma Raceway, another okay, road course. Okay, where's um where's Utah at? Utah's on May twenty third. For, for the Arca West. Wow, okay, they must have added it in because what I see here is I I see uh I see May sixteenth, Douglas County, and then from there Saturday, June sixth they go to Colorado. They must have added it in because I'm looking at the twenty twenty schedule online for the Arca Menard Series West. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, then that's you, what I'm looking at. Okay, then you've got Evergreen Speedway on August the 8th, Meridian Speedway on August 29th, All-American Speedway on October the 10th, Kern County yeah. Raceway Park on October the 24th, and then your season finale is going to be at Phoenix Raceway. So 
So this was a big race for the West this weekend. Oh, yeah. So uh, very exciting, very exciting. On the east side, uh, we mentioned Five Flags Speedway this weekend. They race at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway on April the 4th. Uh, Then they've got uh, Nashville Fairground Speedway on May the 2nd, Toledo Speedway on May the 16th, Uh, July 25th is Berlin Raceway, August 21st is Dover International Speedway, and their season finale is September the 12th at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So uh, their race schedule uh, is the same. They have the races that are all part of the East, and then those drivers can choose whether or not they want to participate in that Sioux Chief Showdown as well. So uh, I think, uh, again, Sam Mayer won the season opener. Uh, Derek Griffith finished second. I know he's one of the rookies that uh, a lot of people have their eyes on uh, here in the East to see what he's able to do for the rest of this season. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good season. Gosh, that's weird because I I, I have the I'm even going back and relooking, and I and I have the uh, yeah I have the um, yeah, but yeah yeah so um, Utah hate, last time they were out there the last time they were out yeah. in Utah was I think three years ago, and um actually Noah Gregson swept the swept the races that weekend. Oh, okay. It was four. Three, yeah, that's that pretty cool. Four, four years, like four or five years ago, it was the last time they were out there. And um, uh, yeah, uh, Noah went and um, he uh, he, he swept this because they ran Saturday and Sunday. Yes, they did. They and ran they Saturday did. and Sunday. It was yeah, a two-day event, that. and yeah, they were running the road course race. out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you can go again this year. Um, I I uh, think these schedules are pretty cool that they've put together for both the ARCA East, the ARCA West, the Sioux Chief Showdown, and the ARCA Menard Series. Um, and I'm, I'm really anxious uh, uh, to talk to Bill McAnally because he's got uh, four new teams this year. Uh, the teams aren't really new. It's the drivers that are new in those teams this year. And uh, uh, I'm looking to to kind of find out a little bit more about those drivers. Yeah. It's, what it's, about uh, you? Seth? Yeah, he's got a he's got a like you said he has a whole new lineup this year, and uh, you know it's got got some uh, you know some young uh, some young drivers out there, you know that are you know that are running uh that are running this cars for him. So it's going to be, you know, uh, and I think most of them might've come from the, when he has that, uh, that, uh, that combine that he puts together once a year, he has the, mm-hmm. you know, drivers come out, you know, he does like a kind of like a little combine thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's part of how he determines who his drivers are going to be uh, for the upcoming season. And uh, he's got a good track record. Derek Krauss, uh, uh, last year's champion in the in the Arkham Menard Series West, there is now racing in the Truck Series, and that's with the Bill McAnally Racing Team, uh, which is pretty exciting to see him expanding into the trucks this year too. So, yeah, he's uh, see how he does. I mean, there's still a lot of racing left. You know what? And um, you know, he's you know, if he started out with the partial season, you know, now he picked up the sponsors, you know, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. 
Yes, indeed. So fans have a lot to look forward to here uh, uh, in the conversation that we're going to have here with Bill McAnally Racing. And it looks like he's here, so I'm going to go ahead and pull him into the queue uh, so we can get started with that. And uh, it's my pleasure uh, to welcome the team team owner of Bill McAnally Racing, and that's Mr. McAnally himself, Bill McAnally. Welcome. How are we doing tonight? I think we're doing all right. Uh, definitely Good. looking forward to having a conversation with you, Bill. Well, I I am here, so let's do it. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Let's start with let's start with the Arkham and Art Series West. Uh, you've got several drivers that are new this season on your teams, and uh, I, I think the age range is uh, pretty young. So, uh, Jesse Love, 15 years old, he's one of them, right? Yeah, he is. We we actually tested him when he was 14, a lot like we did Derek in the past and, and Todd Gilliland, too, um, before Derek. But uh, Jesse is an extremely talented young man. Uh, the experience he's, he already has at his age, I think he raced 100 times last year and different forms of motorsports, but uh, uh, wow. a great young man. And everywhere we've took him, he's adapted very quick to the racetrack and and uh, communicates well to the crew chief and knows what he needs in a race car. And uh, I, I look for big, big things out of Jesse Love in the years to come, for sure. Okay. Also, you've got Gracie Trotter, another female in the number 99 this year for Bill McAnally Racing. Yeah, Gracie uh, comes to us out of North Carolina, has experience in uh, legend cars and late models, did really good uh, when we first tested her. She impressed us how quick she got up to speed, how consistent she was, and she's continued to do that wherever we go. Uh, She uh, impressed me at Phoenix. Uh, She uh, ran very strong for a first time on a mile mile racetrack and. we, we look forward to working with Gracie, and we've got another young lady in our 50, uh, JBL Toyota, uh, Holly Holland, and uh, she's, uh, I'll tell you, you talk about a passionate young lady that is focused on on figuring this all out and getting it done in a race car. She's uh, working really hard at it, and uh, we enjoy working with her, too. Okay, uh, that's that's pretty exciting to see. Uh, also, in the number sixteen this year, you've got. Uh, am I pronouncing it right when I say Geo Skelzy? It's uh, Selzy. It? Geo Selzy. Selzy. And, uh, Geo, okay. Yeah, he he's uh, uh, done very good at dirt track racing and uh, midgets and sprint cars. Every form of racing he's done, he's adapted uh, real quick, figured it out, and has won at the world of outlaws level great young man with a lot of talent and uh he's just hasn't been on the asphalt much hasn't been in a stock car much but uh we look look for him to continue to grow and get better and uh expecting big things to come from from geo he's uh he's a, a quick learner and i don't think it'll be long and he'll be right in the middle of things Okay, and then another one here, Lawless Allen. He's racing with you this year as well, right? 
Yeah, Lawless ran a couple races with us last year. Very talented uh, young man with uh, a lot of potential. Uh, he does a great job on the track and off the track, representing his sponsors. We raced him last year at Sonoma and uh, took him to New Hampshire, and he did great, and we're happy to have him in the, the full program this year running for the West Championship. Okay. Now, who did I miss? Did I miss anybody? Well, that's our five uh, five drivers. We've got Geo Selzy in our 16 Napa Toyota and uh, Gracie Trotter in our 99 Enos Motor Oil Toyota. We've got Jesse Love in our 19 Napa Power Premium Plus, the same cars and equipment that Haley Deegan ran last year. And uh, Wallace Allen in our number 12 Auto Park It. Toyota and uh, Holly Holland in our number 50 JBL Toyota. Okay, that's very exciting. Uh, I know Sal's got a lot of questions here for you, so I'm going to pass the baton over to him, uh, and he's going to have some more questions for you. Thank you for the overview with the drivers. (laughs) You're more than welcome. Good evening, Bill. It's good to have you back on the show again. We were kind of hoping, you know, that we could have gotten you on, you know, when you first made the announcement, you know, the drivers you're going to have this season. Because I know it was, uh, I know it was, and on my end, it was anticipated. I was waiting, you know, to see, you know, what kind of driver lineup, you know, you're going to get it, you know, especially with, uh, you know, with, um, with Derek, you know, moving up into the trucks. But you know, after after looking at the drivers that you know that were chosen, I mean, you know, you mentioned about Geo Selzy, and I remember the very first time he got in a stock car, he ran a uh, spec late model out here at Orndale, and he won that first race. And it was, I know it was an exciting time for him as well as, you know, his family and everybody that was that was watching. He was really impressive. Yeah, he's got got a lot of talent. Uh, he definitely can figure a race car out quick. We put him through. I mean, going to New Smyrna, then the Bull Ring, and then Phoenix. Uh, totally different racetracks that we put them on for the first three races and all of them very challenging racetracks. So we had a good test with him at Irwindale this winter and it's going to be, be good to take him somewhere where he's won in, in that stock car, like you were talking about in the late model and uh, have him somewhere where he's actually tested in one of our cars and looking for some good things there out of him for sure. You know, and then, you know, of course, you know, Jesse Love, you know, he ran the full SRL uh, season last year. And I know he's, I know he's been to your track a few times with the, um, with the uh, junior late model program, which actually where he came up through. And uh, I know he's, he was really impressive there. And um, gosh, going out to speed weeks this, this year in New Smyrna, you know, and, and winning a race, that was, I mean, that really set the, you know, that was a really good representation, you know, the West Coast. It was a good representation of Bill McElroy racing. It was a good reputation just for Jesse Love himself, you know, to show, you know, that he could compete with, uh, you know, with the, you know, both East and West coast. Yeah, no, he's a, a a very special young man. Took him to Phoenix and just we're looking to capitalize on some seat time there last Friday to be able to be more prepared in November when we have our championship uh, finale there. And, uh, I, I told all the drivers, you know, we're just here to prepare for the end of the year, and uh, we just want to keep the cars under under us, stay out of trouble, and 
and get these laps for the experience. And hell, he went out there. He was six quick the first practice, and uh, re- really impressed us off the trailer and figuring the place out. He got going really good, but uh, very impressive young man. So during the course of the off season, you know, you know, as, as you know, as as you guys made the transition, you know, from you know, from you know, uh, you know, from Haley Deegan, uh, Brittany Zamora, and and um, um, Derek moving up. How is how is how is the, how is the selection made for the next for the next set of uh, you know young talent to come in and you know get behind the, the wheel of the you know one of your race cars. Well, we uh, we start testing. It definitely isn't done in the off season. We started uh, testing kids. I think in in August, Toyota has us when they've got somebody they want to have evaluated. Um, even we'll get uh, parents that reach out to us that would like us to take take their their uh, their youngster testing that's won a championship somewhere and they they think they're ready. So we'll go work with them and evaluate them. And it's a, it's a long process. I mean, it's not, like I said, we started last year in August. I bet we've tested two dozen uh, young drivers looking at them and evaluating them. And some of them we tested more than once and there's just so much talent out there and they get started so young nowadays, but uh, had some great kids come up and it's just, you know, trying to find a kid that you feel has the potential to move forward, you know, that, that has uh, the appeal to a sponsor that can talk to the media, you know, that we can secure funding for, you know, to find the sponsorship that, that, uh, that we can bring uh, to help develop them. Uh, And it just, it's a process and you've got to have the whole package and then you've got to look at where their future can take them. If we're scraping the deal together at this, this level, I mean, you and I know there's a lot of great drivers that just don't get the chance to move forward because we're unable to put the resources in front of them. Just like Derek taking him truck racing this year, had a heck of a time putting together the budget to commit to a full-time effort in the trucks this year, but we were able to, took a, a lot of effort and now we've helped him take the next step up and we're truck racing again. We hadn't done that in several years full-time uh, back with Brendan in, in 2002. It was a long time ago, but uh, it's just a matter of being able to put the whole package together where the kids marketable, sellable, um, can represent a sponsor, can work with the media, so we're able to sell them to be able to continue to move forward. You know, Bill, and it has to be tough, you know, like you said, you know, to find, you know, which drivers, you know, or, you know, which drivers do you choose, you know, especially when you, you know, when you have a long list of, you know, young talent that's coming up, you know, everybody wants to, everybody wants to drive a BMR car, you know, when it comes, you know, to the West series and, you know, the the talent pool out there is, it seems like it's each season, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, as you know, as anybody that follows short track racing, you know they'll see you know all the way from the east to west coast. You know all the all the younger drivers. Me and Sharon were just talking earlier about uh, Phoenix before back in the day. You know, you had to be a certain age to to drive that mile track, and now that NASCAR, you know, they have to open up the doors and they have to let the younger drivers race there because that's the future of NASCAR and 
with the fact that, you know, that we have younger drivers coming up, you know, and the talent these kids bring to the, you know, to the table, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It is unbelievable. Uh, when I, you know, a hundred years ago when I started racing the Winston West, you actually had to be 21 to compete in the series. And hell, I don't think half the field's 21 anymore. It's uh, d- definitely changed a, changed a lot. And uh, it's, I know that NASCAR and ARCA are working on building it to be a series that drivers can find a home in. So it isn't just about developing the young drivers. I mean, back then you had the, the Scott Gaylords and the, you know, a lot of drivers that found a home in the West series and, and wanted to be there and it put on a great show because you had a great car count. Now, when you've got these kids wheeling in and out of it in a couple of years, it's really hard to, to build what, what we used to have and you need to have those drivers that uh that believe in the series and want to be in it and stay stay there just you know the srl is a great example for that you know with with derek thorne and carlos fiera and you know there's guys that that are just mainstays that are there year after year and i hated seeing that change in the in this series I mean, there used to be drivers that would stay around and run this series, I mean, way back. Bill Schmidt and Herschel McGriff and Bill Sedgwick. I mean, there's a, a lot of great drivers that found a home in this series. Yes, and, and, and the neat thing is, is that, you know, you know, now we have a younger generation that are also, you know, finding home. You know, I mean, look, look how many years, you know, you had Derek Krause in the car, you know, and, you know, and it was just, you know, you – you know, we, we, you know, as, as we get older, I guess we, you know, we see more, more, more of the progression and with that bill, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. I know she has some more questions. Okay, Bill. I, I want to make sure we also mention that you have a truck series team this year uh, that you're co-owning for Derek Krause, who's racing. Uh, I believe he's racing full time in the truck series this year for that uh, group, right? Yeah, we're running uh, running full-time, and like I said, we really uh, fought hard to, to put that together. We're working with uh, HRE, with uh, Shiggy Hittori, and Mike Grichi and that whole group. They've got uh, um, Austin Hill in a truck this year. They'd won the championship with Brett Moffat in the, the past, but we created an alliance with them and actually are in their shop back east and uh, run our truck program out of that shop. It just doesn't make any financial sense at all to have a truck team running full-time on the West Coast. Only get out here a couple times a year. So we're we're back there and and teamed up with them. And Kevin Bellacourt, uh, my general manager from last year, is a crew chief in that program, and we're running the the full truck series. Derek's running for Ricky of the Year, and we're going to go to every race. And uh, we've got a lot of different sponsors that will rotate on the truck. And brought in uh, Bill Hilgeman, that's uh, a businessman out of Stratford, Wisconsin, the town that Derek's from. And he uh, he's a partner on the team and owns a percentage of it, and helped make that come to come to being real for us all. 
Wow, that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, and Derek's had some pretty good finishes uh, so far. They'll be back on track this weekend out at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yep, we leave here on uh, on Thursday, and uh, we're in Atlanta this weekend, and then uh, Homestead the next weekend, and Texas the next. So we've got a, a, a lot of territory to cover, that's for sure. I would say so, as if you weren't busy already, Bill. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's a, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the, the truck racing, I'll tell you what, it's very competitive, and it's the next step for these young drivers. And it's really it's it's nice to have that in house that we can help move them up to the next level, and they can showcase their talents in the truck series. It really is, especially when when I kind of go back to what you were saying to Sal, that one of the things you're looking for is how marketable the driver is, uh, and that you can help them move on to that next uh, uh, chapter of their career. And uh, it sounds, you know, you, you and you're 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 putting your mouth where your words are, uh, so to say, with uh, you know working with Derek Krause now in the in the. Uh, outdoor truck series so uh, you know i i think that's big kudos to you i know it probably wasn't an easy transition to make but you guys did it and uh, i think it's pretty exciting the other part of this is being a, a part now of the arkham menard series is that is that pretty seamless for you guys is it not that big of a change for you or is it a little is it a big change there there was some changes to the rules we had to to work on the cars a little bit, but it, it gives you the opportunity to, I mean, the Arca Menards, I mean, they run Daytona and Talladega and Pocono, and we now have cars that they can do that, and we can go run with them, and they can come out here and run with us, and it, it kind of united the East, West, and the Arca Menards series, and it's uh, definitely, uh, there's a lot more venues that, uh, you can go out and race. I mean, honestly, if you wanted to run them all, there's 11 in the West, seven in the East, and 20 in the Arkham Menards. So you could run 38 races if you wanted to try to run them all, and that's uh, gives you a lot of opportunity. That's for sure. It, it really does. There's a chance for four different championships, and I know you're one of the teams that will uh, race both in the East and the West. You've been doing that for a number of years now. Uh, give us a feel for what your plans are for this year. Well, so far this year, we've uh, ran, ran the East season opener at New Smyrna, the West season over, opener in Las Vegas at the Bullring. We just, uh, the ARCA, uh, the Challenge Series, uh, we were just at uh, at Phoenix, and then we raced the season opener and trucks at Daytona. So we've actually raced four season openers already this year. But uh, it's, wow. uh, we're planning on – we've got a 15-race schedule that we're developing the kids in our, in our ARCA cars, the West being the priority, and those 11 races will run for the championship on the West, and then we're just filling it in with East and, uh, and ARCA races. When we have okay, and there's a cut. Slots. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. We're just when we have an opening in our West schedule, and there happens to be a race that we can get to, and it makes sense, we'll go ahead and run it. 
Okay, that sounds really awesome. Uh, a couple of uh, road course races are uh, scattered throughout the Arkham and Art Series this year. Uh, you're going to be racing at uh, Sonoma Raceway. That's not new for you guys. Uh, talk a little bit about what that means as part of the schedule, especially for the development well, of the drivers. Well, Sonoma, that's a crown jewel race for us. It's Cup weekend, and we're part of the, the show. We are the support show on Saturday. We're the only only other touring series there with the Cup that weekend. So it's always a favorite of ours because we're right there with the Cup. Uh, they'll, you know, we'll practice. They'll qualify. We're on the track the same times, and your fans and family and everybody's down there for a big Cup weekend. It's very special to our team because it's, 90 miles from our shop and it's a, wow. a cl- close race it's as close as the cup get to to our shop so it's it's a fun event for us we always look forward to it and uh we've never won it that's the sad part all the the winning we've got to experience we've never won at sonoma so that's definitely one that uh, we'd like to get and uh it's just a great weekend for us and i'm glad that they were able to add the utah motorsports campus race because that gives us two road courses and makes a lot more sense to have a specially car in the shop for road course race and if you can go do a couple of them just makes everything make more sense so we're glad that that race was added and we look forward to running both those road courses Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to look at our chat room here real quick. We've got a chance for people to to ask questions. I don't think we have any questions there, but, Bill, uh, we are so happy that you were able to be on the show with us tonight and give us an overview of what's happening there at Bill McAnally Racing. We always enjoy having you here. We hope it's not the last time this season. We hope to have you back on and, of course, uh, some of your drivers throughout the year as well. Well, thank you guys for everything you do. You guys do a great job, and uh, we appreciate that. And we're always uh, available anytime we can be on your show. We're more than happy to. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you. And good luck to you guys uh, with your next race. I know the next race for the West is out at uh, Irwindale, right? It is. The the end of March will be there, and that's a, that's a race that we always like going to. Irwindale is a great track. Uh, Tim Huddleston does a great job promoting that race. I know he's got a night of demolition uh, after our race, and uh, so it, it packs the house. And we look forward to that. And we're off with the trucks this weekend to Atlanta, so uh, a lot of racing in our near future. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, again, thanks, and and we'll look forward to uh, those races. Uh, you know, we'll we'll be watching. We're big fans of uh, the Arco West as well as the East and and the main series. So uh, we'll be watching all season long. All right, thank you guys very much. Okay, take care now, Bill. Okay, Sal, that was uh, Bill McAnally, the team owner of McAnally Racing, and uh, always a great interview with him. I, I just love talking to him about his drivers because you can tell he's really interested in developing these these drivers that are getting behind the wheel of his cars. Oh yeah, it's um, yeah, he's uh, he's he's excited about this season, you know, and uh, he puts they put a lot of work in, in the off season. They put a lot of work. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, even during the season, you know, for the, uh, 
you know, to make, you know, to make this hat, to make this whole, uh, to make the team and make the whole series happen, especially with the, with the Napa sponsorship is huge with Bill. I know when I was doing, uh, when I was doing photos for him, he was, um, he was really interested in getting the fan, you know, the, the drivers with the fans, you know, the interaction and then making sure that everything had, you know, the Napa logo in it, you know, and because that's what kept, you know, kept the, that's what kept BMR going. That's also what kept the series going because Napa was, you know, would be the, you know, sister sponsor, you know, on a, on a lot of the uh, West races out here. And I think even, even a couple of the East races too. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, he's, he's been really good at doing that already. Uh, and now with the Arkham and Arts series, like he said, there's, there's an opportunity for what, 38 some races that they can run, uh, if they if they so choose, so um, it, it's a great opportunity for these young drivers because the best experience is just getting seat time. If they can get the seat time, uh, it stands to reason they're going to be better. And the fact that they've got the road courses on there is is really big too. Now I want to make sure that we also cover the um, race that took place for the Xfinity Series. Uh, and real quick, I'm going to kind of go over that. Brandon Jones beat Kyle Busch this weekend, uh, age 23, in the number 19 for Joe Gibbs Racing with crew chief Kevin Meandering. Brandon Jones uh, was the 16th, uh, uh, won the 16th annual LS Tractor 200. It was his second victory in 141 starts for the Xfinity Series. His first victory and third top 10 finish this year. First victory and third top 10 finish in nine races at Phoenix Raceway. Harrison Burton finished second. Uh, he's the highest finishing rookie of the race, uh, and that's after winning. Uh, the race at Auto Club Speedway. It was his first top 10 finish in one race at Phoenix Raceway and his fourth top 10 finish in this season. Kyle Busch finished third in his 20th top 10 uh, finish in 24 races at Phoenix Raceway. And Harrison Burton now leads the series point standings by three points. Three points, Sal, all for Chase yeah. Briscoe. Uh, we, we've got a rookie at the top of the list here. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's tight going in there, and uh, I'm sure you know we everybody expected you know you know this you know this season you know to be really you know as far as the points you know was going to be tight, and uh, I don't see our rookie of the our rookie of the year it should be a, should be a pretty good battle between um, Harrison Burton, uh, Riley Herbst, and, uh, and Jesse Middle. Oh, then yeah, Joe Graff yeah. Jr. too. Joe Graff Jr. too is running for. Yep. yep. Now, finishing in fourth place was uh, Brad Keselowski, the other cup driver that uh, was racing Xfinity this weekend. And rounding out the top five was Justin Haley. Uh, the next five uh, were Chase Norgregson, Austin Sindrick, Ross Chastain, and Riley Erbst, the other rookie, uh, finishing and rounding out the top ten there. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a Really, really good race on on Saturday, and uh, uh, you know some strong finishes. Um, you know, at least wasn't a Cup driver that won it. You know, it was one of the uh, Xfinity drivers. You know, which makes it, you know, makes it makes it more exciting. I'm, yeah, I'm sure the, the I'm sure the fans liked it a lot more too. You know. Um, okay, you want to go over the points report, Sal? 
Yeah, the points. Uh, let me see. Points. Uh, Harrison Burton is leading the points. Uh, second is Chase Briscoe. Third is Austin Cedric. Fourth is Brandon Jones and uh, Ross Chastain. Round out the top five. And then you go down to six is Noah Gregson, Ryan Sieg at seventh, Justin Haley eighth, Justin Allgaier ninth, Michael Annette tenth, Riley Herbson eleventh, and Brandon Brown is uh, rounding out the the top twelve in the points. Yeah, those are the drivers uh, that are on the top side of the uh, playoff group. Uh, the the drivers that would be contending for the championship if they're still in those positions at the end of uh, their regular season. So uh, it's really fun to see all of these names uh, that are on that list, Sal, because we've got a couple of really good rookies uh, that we've mentioned here and some of the other regulars that we don't always see in the top 10 here or the top 12 are are up there as well. Yeah, you know, and actually, you know, there's a little bit of uh... – a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, um, how do you say it? A um, little bit of action at pit road after the race between Dylan Bassett and uh, and, yeah. and Brandon Brown. You know, um, yeah, you know, we, once again, you know, it just shows the you know the intensity. You know that you know these drivers. You know they go through. You know, no matter where they finish. But you know what? I mean, you know, every every position counts, and um, you know, it's uh, you know. It's it's part of racing. It's really it, and it seems like it's it seems like it's happening more and more. You know, and I, and and I know that the networks are, are really starting to pump it up too because you know they're they're starting to talk more more rivalries. You know, well this driver did this driver did that last week. Let's see what happens. You know, and when they get close, is it going to happen? You know, and they're kind of pushing it. But um, you know, when you when you get to this level, you know, um every position counts, I mean, you know, to make that playoff, you know, and everybody wants to be in the playoffs, you know, and it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's intense and that's where racing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we've got a couple minutes here, Sal, real quick. Uh, well, a minute now before our guest comes on board. So why don't you uh, talk a little bit there? In fact, he's here if you want to go ahead and bring him in, but let's do a, a build up first. Okay. Our next guest, yeah, our next guest is a West Coast uh, tire specialist, Michael Mulder. We've had him on the show on a couple occasions, and you know, talks about you know what's what's going on in the tire world today. I know we had last year we had to change from Goodyear to uh, gosh, we went to change from Goodyear to Firestone, I think. Well, it wasn't Firestone. Gosh, I'll ask him what, what it was. General Tire and the General Tire, yeah, for the West Series. You know, and and I know you know that was a, that was a for the drivers. I know it was a big transition, and you know we you know of course you know they're gonna make the trans you know transition into it. You know, but you know when you talk about the different series, you know with the Hoosiers, you know the um, you know general, and then you know of course so then you got the Goodyear, you know, and the rest of the uh, cars that are out there racing. So um, with that, you know, let's let's bring him into the show and let's let's see what's going on with him this season, and let's see what what he's got. Uh, you know how his season has started off so far. So with that, we want to welcome Michael Mulder to the show. Welcome to the show, Mikey. Thanks, Sal. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. So, season started. I I know you've had a few, you got a few races under your belt. 
so far this season. You just got back to Phoenix. What was it like in Phoenix? I mean, to you know, to get back out there again, you know, after you know we hadn't been there in you know a few years. I was there in November uh, last year, and it's a uh, it's a lot different than it was when I started going there about 20 years ago. I can't believe there's no grandstands on what used to be the front straightaway, which is now the back straightaway. But it's a beautiful facility, um, and it's super racy. These guys. Four or five wide. I think I heard you mention four wide on the on the on the pace lap, but um, it's, it's a beautiful facility. I, I always loved going there when I was uh, younger, when I first started racing. So this weekend they had you with uh, you were back with BMR with with Lawless Allen, the number twelve car. I was. I'm a very big fan of Lawless Allen. He's a really good kid. Uh, I actually started working with him in a late model out of Irwindale, and to be honest with you, I had no idea why he was in a race car, driving a race car. It just seemed like it was something for him to do. Uh, but he's really come a long way as a race car driver, really honed his craft, really takes care of the race car. Very few guys his age uh, that I see just takes care of the equipment. And at the end of the race, he's got a little bit left. He seems like he does it every time I see him race. He's got, got a, little, a little bit left at the end because he's really saved it uh, the entire race. You know, and actually being being a tire specialist, you know, I'm I'm sure that there's there's a lot of things you could tell about drivers, you know, just from you know, the drivers, you know, just from you know when they come in, you know, you change the set of tires, you know, you look at, you know, the wear and tear on them. Can can that kind of help you know to kind of gauge, you know, what you know how a driver is, you know, if he's good with his equipment or or if he's a little bit you know, abusive with it. Uh, as far as the wear, for sure, we can tell as far as how good they take care of equipment. I always like to compare notes with my team members, uh, Sprague and Zelasco. It's always interesting to see the temperatures in the tire because like, we can usually tell who's driving the car harder as far as how high the temperatures go in like the right front tire. So it's always interesting. I can tell if a driver is, you know, for instance, not so much this year, but last year, how hard Derek drives the car, how hard Krauss would drive the car in, and how hard Haley would drive the car in just from the temperatures. Uh, the temperature difference, you know, who's driving it in harder or whatnot. So going from series to series, is there any, is there any big difference, you know, going from like, you know, like a super late model, to, you know, from like say the snowball derby, the SRL series, you know, into the, you know, into the Arkham and art series, you know, and, you know, and then of course, you know, your short track stuff, like, you know, the late models and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, well, Arkham, it's a, I know I heard you speaking earlier. Uh, I think I've been on the show three times. I think the first time we did discuss going to a radio, I think last year we discussed going to dirt, which I think both times you asked me, I had no idea what I was talking about. I had to call a bunch of people to get some answers to some questions I had a feeling you would ask. But um, as far as, you know, ARCA and SRL uh, tires, although they're manufactured by the same company, uh, General is the parent company for those guys in Hoosiers, the tire supply for SRL, but the tires are completely different. Um, the SRL tire is a bias ply tire with a lot of adjustments made on the size with air pressure. Um, you know, you can gain tire growth or lose lose some measurement um, with an air pressure adjustment with the Arca tire. Uh, it doesn't really matter how much air you put in there. You're going to have the same size tire. Uh, so as far as – and the Snowball Derby and Lamar, you know, most of them pretty much are on the same Hoosier tire, which is the – 35 to 45 of the 25. Uh, but ARCA, the general, uh, the radio is completely, it's completely different than a late model tire. 
Hmm. Interesting. Now, with that, I'm going to turn it over to the show host, Sharon. I know she has some questions for you, too. Thank you, Sal. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to kind of carry on with the conversation there. You you say that the tires are very very different. How how are they different as far as performance on the track? How, how is it different for the driver? Well, I don't know. Well, I'm, I can tell you. Well, it's the cars that are more different than the tires. The you know the ARCA cars are so much heavier than the SRL cars or a Lebanon car. Uh, you know the the general tire is a radial. They're just not going to react the same as a bias fly tire. The bias fly tire with CSRL and most most late model uh, most late models across the country run. It's just a much lighter car, and the tires on the late models they just react a lot more on a late, on a late model or SRL car. Harder cars, they seem like. That's the tire. You kind of got what you got, and they just they don't they just don't change as much as a like a bias fly tire. Okay, we've got a question from uh, one of the guys in our chat room here, uh, Mike O. He's asking how compatible are the rubbers from various series in terms of track taking rubber from uh, Cup car practice followed by ARCA cars on the track and vice versa. Well, I don't know as far as compatible. I know that, for instance, like an SRL car, an ARCA car, you know, we have companion events. And if the ARCA cars are practiced, practiced, then the SRL cars, it takes them a few laps to maybe scrub that rubber off from an ARCA car to get the bias ply rubber kind of built into the track to where the cars kind of maximize their performance. So, you know, in an ARCA car, and vice versa as far as an SRL and an ARCA car, you know, nobody wants to qualify right after one of the series has practiced because has practiced because that rubber is on the track. So it's, there is a difference, and there is a little bit of time frame, but it does not take much to, as we would say, rubber up, you know, for a certain series or a certain tire. And there, is, there is a bit of a time frame there, but it's not huge. Okay, Michael says thanks for for responding to that. Um, I'm going to kind of go left field here a little bit because uh, Uh (laughs) uh, there's been a lot of conversation. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. There's been a lot of conversation uh, in the NASCAR world about NASCAR talking about going from five lug nights to one uh, in the 2021 season. Uh, And, I, I wondered if you had any thoughts about that from your perspective about whether that's a good move or why they're doing that and, and your thoughts about it. Well, you are going to get me in trouble, Sharon. Um, as far oh, as, <laughs> as far as difference in, first of all, I see a lot of five lug wheels being available at the end of the season for series that aren't going to run the one lug. So for instance, the Arca series, I assume the trucks, um, so there's going to be a ton of wheels that are available for the lower series that are in pretty good condition. Some of them will be brand new. Um, as far as a performance issue, or I, I don't understand the big debate, or as far as you know which one's better or why they're changing. I'm going to say usually when NASCAR makes a change, it is for financial reasons for the most part. Um, but as far as 
which one's better, which one's worse. I, I don't really have an opinion. I don't think it's going to matter at all as far as pit stops are concerned or racing is concerned. Yeah, I, w- I kind of agree with you because they've already said that the pit crews are still going to do rights and fronts. They're still going to be involved in the process. So I think it's good. But I appreciate you taking a few yeah, I mean, minutes to uh, add your comments to that. Clearly, it's going to be less specialized. Clearly, it's going to be less specialized. It's a whole lot easier to change a tire with one lug nut than it is with five. So I would imagine Mm -hmm. that some of the guys that are highly skilled are possibly not going to be needed. But I don't see it making a difference on the racetrack or in the in the pits. Basically, unfortunately, it's going to open the door to having a lot of people being able to change tires really fast. You know, as fast as a professional, just because it's one lug nut. Okay, okay. Uh, Sal, did you have any other questions? Yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a couple more. So with, um, with the season just starting right now, how, does, how do you get contracted to do, to, to do tires? I, I, I know everybody knows who you are. You've been around for, gosh, longer than, than Noah was, you know, with the flood. <laughs> But um, you know, I mean, do do they contact you and, and then you just kind of, you know, pick and choose, or or is there a team you know that you're set with you know for the whole season? Well, as far as uh, the Arca series is concerned, I've been with Bill since 2014 when Brandon McReynolds was driving a 16 car, and I'm a pretty loyal guy. Most people know that. It's pretty hard to steal me away from somebody. I just haven't left. I've been there for six or seven years. Uh, Bill treats me very well. I'm pretty happy there. And as long as he wants me and it works into my schedule, uh, I'm going to be there for him. Um, I did. I uh, was in uh, Las Vegas with Gracie and the last race with uh, Wallace. So I'm not sure moving forward where I'm going to be. I'm kind of floating around at this point, looks like. Um, as far as the SRL series, uh, it's kind of the same story. I've been with Cole Moore, the number 20 car, won a championship last year. Thank you very much. And I've been with him three or four years, and it's just I'm a loyal guy. That's where I'm at. They keep me happy, and it's hard to steal me away when I'm a happy guy. So um, on the SRL, I've been doing a couple other cars uh, on top of court, and actually in the Arca Series as well. I've done multiple cars for for Bill and BMR at some of the racetracks. But in the SRL division, I've been taking care of a few cars, servicing them outside of the pit area, just in the Hoosier pit area, taking care of their tires. Um, Andy Allen. Uh, Christian McGree, uh, Trevor Cristiani, I did a Kyle Navarro last year as well. So some of these race tracks, I'm doing three and four cars. Uh, at the Bullring, I actually did three Supers, and I did Gracie's car as well, and I was on uh, Christian's car. We finished second to Kyle Busch, which was pretty exciting. I thought we were going to we get one there, and I just fell up one position short. So I do multiple cars with the SRL Series. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. It's really challenging, which is what I'm looking for. And uh, – if you need a if you need a tire guys, give me a call and we'll try to work something out. That's how it works. So how how tough is it to do uh you know to do multiple cars? I I know at the Derby you had, I know you know you guys had I think Weeder had almost every car in the that was down there on the track, and I seen you guys you know running you know back and forth you know you, you know the the tire barn seemed like there was only you guys doing tires, which I know, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, exaggerating a little bit, but I mean, you know, how do you, how do you do multiple cars when you have, you know, when everybody goes out for practice at the same time almost, and they're, you know, qualifying. And, and then of course, then you got to have the tires ready for the race itself. Yeah. At the Derby, there was eight of us with the weeder and I think we had half the cars. I think we had 17 or 18 of them in the super race. 
Um, uh, Weeders program works pretty much the same way mine does. We take care of the stuff at at the tire supplier. We don't we don't uh, do too much work on the cars, which is what I do at the SRL races. I service Cole's car full time, and I only dedicate you know time to those other cars while I'm at Hoosier Tire. And once those tires leave Hoosier Tire, then they have to get the data and figure out how to move forward and make their tires work for them. I'm there for support, obviously, but I can't, I don't get the data for them. I don't work on the car. So um, it's not easy. I mean, it's hard, but it's challenging. And again, that's kind of what I'm looking for at the racetrack. I'm looking to be challenged a little bit. I'm not, it's kind of funny when I go to a racetrack and I only have one or two cars. It's, it's kind of disappointing to be honest with you. <laughs> so what are some of the tools of your trade? You know, you got the photographer, you know, has the cameras, lenses, you know, you have your um, spotters, you know, of course, you know, they got their radios, um, you know, you got the guys work on the, you know, the tire guy, you know, the change of the tire, he's got the the impact wrench, you got the jack man. And then, of course, you know, what you do, you know, is is basically, you know, you know, what 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 exactly is is your job position as a tire guy? Um, all right, well, the, the tools of the trade. I, you know, I tell everybody I sleep with my core tool in my pocket. Any good tire guy has a core tool on all times, 100% of the time. Um, I, we even joke, and some of us around there ask to see your core tool and rock around the pit area to make sure you have it on you. But a core tool, uh, tape measure, you know, these tires got to be measured, especially the lay models. These tires got to be measured constantly in an air pressure gauge. Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all you need to be a tire guy. And then, well, I'm sorry, you had a, there was a follow-up to that. <laughs> and with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to Sharon. I know she still has. A, I know she still has a few more questions for you. All right. Okay. So uh, when when a tire comes in, well, you do a lot of work before the race even begins, as far as getting the tires ready, right? That is correct. Yeah, that's. I was just hit me with uh, what uh, Sal's follow up was. So my so what I do at the racetrack is I will be at the supplier, which is Hoosier Tire or General Tire, I will be at their pit area, and teams will bring over their wheels, and basically once the wheels get dropped off, I take it from there. Um, I make sure the tires get mounted. I make sure that they're, you know, I air them up to the pressures that I want to air them up and measure them at. I measure them. I will purge them to get all the air out of them. I think we discussed that last time. I was on to get all the air out of them and get nitrogen in. And then I will take however many tires we got, and I will match them in sets and which corner of the car they want to go on. Uh, and then I put them in a stack outside the gate until, and I text the crew chief to come get them, basically. Wow, and that's, that's kind of scary because a mix-up could happen with that, right? How do you keep them straight? Uh, I've been doing it a long time. That's all I can say. I think you just really got to pay attention. It's a mix-up happens all the time out there, and I'm not immune. It just—I don't think it's happened to me in a really long time. You just really got to be on your game. Really got to be paying attention. It's very easy for something bad to happen, which is why a good tire specialist is good to have in your on your team. Right, right, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, you, you know, for the, for the price, really, pay. You know, we do, we discuss this all the time in the pit area. With that, doesn't matter if it's a, it's a spotter or if it's a somebody who's changing the shocks or. Tire specialist, you know, for the amount of money that it costs for a, for a good person on your team, the amount of money that is saved or made just by this one person is could be enormous. Yeah, I bet. Now, let's talk about what you do during the race, because during the race is important as well. 
Well, we yeah, ARCA and SRL is completely different. Uh, during the ARCA races, um, there's usually there's a live pit stop now. So we, uh, you know, I have to work with the crew chief on the strategy as far as what tires are going on, when they're going on, when the car comes in, as far as just rights or four. And air pressure is a big deal on the radio. So sometimes we'll, we'll change the air pressure by a pound or two just by what the driver's saying during the race. And when the car comes in, I got to make sure that each tire goes on the corner. I usually don't go over the wall. Um, that ship sailed a long time ago, but I do make sure that the car, that the tire is going in the right, in the right position. Uh, the SRL race, it's, it's very similar, but our, we don't have live pit stops. <clears throat> it's usually a break, so it's not as much pressure. Uh, but same story. We just we make air pressure adjustments as to how how the car is reacting on the racetrack, and and uh, I, it's super important to make sure that each each tire goes on the right corner. Now, as you're kind of talking about that too, I'm thinking it's really important that the communication between the guy who's behind the wheel and and what he's relaying back to you it's it's really important that he articulates that information very well how do you how do you kind of mesh up with each of your drivers because everybody's got a different personality a different way of looking at things what do you do to kind of ensure that that communication goes smoothly well th- thankfully I'll just use the saying we are I'm just a tire guy that information goes to the crew chief, and we try to come up with a plan together. But you are 100% correct, Sharon. Communication is a huge part of being a race car driver. I mean, there's a lot of people that can go out there and drive a car fast or drive it in deeper, but uh, being able to relate to your crew chief, you know, what changes need to be made or how the car is reacting at a certain point on the racetrack is immensely important to being a good race car driver. Um, but again, that's something like that's usually not my call. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, so I have good air pressure strategies. And as far as like the, the bias by tires are different sizes. So, you know, I can, I give my input on what we should do as far as the stagger, or the different sizes are, but ultimately that's the crew chief's decision. Okay. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, now, Michael, I know we've had you on the show before. I hope this isn't the last time we have you on again this year. Uh, because I really enjoy chatting with you about what what it is you do at the track, and I hope our listeners enjoy it as much as we do uh, to kind of get an inside look at how all of that uh, is is uh, put together, and especially in a year like this where you're kind of making that change over from uh, you know what you're racing uh, when the Can-Am Pro Series is different than what you're racing now with the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, so, you know, that that's a big change for you as well. For sure, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I just okay. want to say thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure, and anytime this house has to contact me. Um, I also wanted just to give a shout-out. I want to say thank you so much uh, to my girlfriend for putting up with the schedule. I know it is not easy, and uh, I, I know it's difficult. I just wanted to, to say thank you very much, sir, for putting up with it. Oh, what's your girlfriend's first name? Uh, Tina. Tina. Well, as fans, we've got to put our thanks in there as well. Uh, We really appreciate uh, the family too a lot uh, to support you guys that are out there on the racetrack uh, working to support the drivers, and and, uh, it does mean a great deal. So thank you, Michael, for bringing that up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The guys and the gals in the trenches. I don't know how the spouses and girlfriends and wives and husbands put up with it. It's it's not easy, I'm sure. Well, 
once again, we do appreciate you uh, coming on board here tonight. Uh, we enjoyed the conversation, and uh, we'll have to uh, get back in touch with you <laughs> somewhere down the road. All right, thank thanks, thanks, okay, Sharon. Thanks, Al. All right, thanks. Uh, thanks again. No worries. <clears throat> Okay, Sal, that was a lot of fun having Michael Mulder on, a tire specialist with Lawless Allen and Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, and it sounds like he's doing some work in the SRLs, too. Is that Cole um, Kraus? Cole Moore. Cole, he, Cole Moore. Cole Moore. Oh, okay, Cole yeah. Moore. Had, he's matter of fact, we had, we, had Cole on, we had Cole on last year after he won the championship in That's the SRL right. last year. Yeah, he was, he, we oh, had him okay. on the show after, the chap, after his championship, so. Uh, he's been on a lot okay, of that's pretty teams, cool. I'll tell you that All the way back from <laughs> Gosh I mean all the way back from Back when it was a Southwest tour And um, Gosh it's, it's crazy to look at old pictures And see how far he has come You know as far as you know Being a tire specialist And one of the one of the top ones in the You know in the nation You know as far as east and west You know you can go to the east, east coast And they know who he is You know and He's uh, exactly. sought after, you know, to to do tires. You know, he's really good at really good at what he does. Well, that was really cool having him on the show tonight, Sal. Thank you so much for for asking him. Uh, now I want to get into the NASCAR Cup Series because uh, the race winner. Uh, this was an interesting race to watch out at Phoenix Raceway this weekend. Uh, race winner Joey Logano, age 29, in the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford for Roger Penske. Uh, crew chief Paul Wolf. He won the 16th annual Fan Shield 500, his 25th victory in 403 Cup races, second victory and second top 10 this season, and second victory and 12th top 10 finish in 12 races at Phoenix Raceway. Kevin Harvick posted second place, his 24th top 10 finish in 35 races at Phoenix Raceway. It's also his fourth top 10 finish in this season. Kyle Bush finishing third, posting his 22nd top 10 finish in 30 races at Phoenix Raceway. That is an incredible stat, Sal. 22 top 10 yeah. finishes in 30 races. Yeah, it is. Um, he always manages to put himself, you know, up, up there, you know, if it's not a win, but he's up there, you know, contending for it. So, yeah, that is an amazing stat. It is. So proud of Cole Custer this weekend. I knew he was going to do well at that track. <laughs> I, I just knew it. Uh, he finished ninth, the highest finishing rookie uh, of the race for Stuart Haas Racing. And Kevin Harvick leads now the point standings by just one point, Sal, over Joey Logano. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tight battle. But then you got to remember, too, Joey has to uh... – Joey has two race two wins, wins so far, so yeah, so he's already Joey already punched his ticket in. So, but I mean, you know, um, tell you he's racking up those playoff points with those two wins yeah. also. He is, he is. Joey Legato, uh We went through the first three here. Kyle Larson is the fourth uh, driver in that race. Clint Boyer having a good run, rounding out the top five here. Uh, the next five are Kurt Busch in the number one car, Chase Elliott uh, finished seventh, Eric Almarola eighth, Cole Custer in ninth, the highest finishing rookie, and William Byron rounds out the top ten. Great day for Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, four drivers, all four of their drivers in the top ten. 
Yeah, it was it was a really good day for Stuart Haas Racing, you know, and, and cold, you know, he had a, you know, didn't look like he was gonna have that good of a run, you know, he came back, you know, to, after the last, uh, you know, last round of pit stops and, um, you know, made his run to the, you know, to where he finished, you know, and it was a it was a good strong run, something that he really needed, you know, to you know kind of you know kind of get his mo- his momentum going, you know, headed into you know the, the you know into the rest of the season. Yes, indeed. That had to be a huge confidence builder uh, for for Cole Custer. And just his fourth, is that the fourth Cup Series race? He he comes up with his first top ten finish. Uh, You want to go ahead and go over the points, Jay? Yeah, yeah. It's Michael, not Jay, because if you say Jay, I don't know who he is. (laughs) I know it's Michael. (laughs) Anyway, leading off the the points, you got Kevin Harvick. Joey Logano second, Chase Elliott third, Alex Bowman in fourth, and Jimmy Johnson, wow, rounding out the top five. Um, the next five down, we got Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Eric Almirola, Matt DiBenedetto in ninth, and Brad Keselowski rounding out the top ten. Gosh, I mean, Matt is having an incredible year this season, yeah. as well as Alex Bowman, you know, sitting up in fourth, and then Jimmy Johnson in fifth in points compared to where he was last year. Last year, I don't think he was on the sheet. They had to they had to dig him out of the out of the cellar somewhere to find his name. But Jimmy Johnson's really having this being his, his last season, while well, his you know last full time. Yeah, it season. really is. Yeah, I know it's really good rough. to see, isn't it? Let's go it ahead is. and do it's the great. six out. Because uh, we've got 16 drivers in the playoff here. Yeah. So our next six is Danny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, 12th, Clint Boyer, 13th, Chris Busher, 14th, Mark Truex, 15th, and rounding off the top 16 is Kurt Busch with Ricky Stenhouse right there on his heels. And uh, I'll tell you that it's uh, really uh, a lot of uh, – a few drivers in there that I know a lot, a lot of – fans didn't expect i mean you look at the 14th mm-hmm. you know chris Bu- you know chris uh chris bush you know up there in the 14th in the points you know and um looking pretty strong and uh you know of course you know kevin harvick and joy logano is really having a good a good start off to the season this year um you know sitting sitting mm-hmm. second in points with the glory with two race wins and uh looks like it's going to break out to be a looks like we're gonna have a really good uh really good uh season this year I think so, and and uh, I'm glad to see some of these uh, mid-season, if you will. I don't know, mid-season isn't the right word, but mid-level drivers coming into the Cup Series. I'm thinking of drivers like Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, uh, Kyle Larson. Those drivers are all having really good years, and this could be a breakout year, I think, for some of those drivers. And then the more veteran drivers are right there with them, uh, and I think that's great. Obviously, the the uh, changes that they made to the Chevy cars are working out for, for a lot of these Chevy guys that are up there. Uh, and uh, we're seeing Hendrick Motorsports back up into these uh, uh, levels, and, and that's good to see. Uh, I would say the big surprise, I think, this year is is uh, seeing the Joe Gibbs racing drivers struggle just a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you on that. They are struggling. I, I know Kyle Busch made a comment to that at Auto Club Speedway, you know, that they don't have the speed, you know, that the, that the Chevys have this year. And it mm-hmm. seems like, um, you know, I don't know if it's, the, if it's the package that 
you know, that suits a Chevy or what it is, but I mean, the Chevys are really, they're really looking strong this season. Because your highest, yeah, your they highest, really are. Uh, the highest uh, Toyota in there looks like it's uh, Denny Hamlin in the 11th in points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they're, they're missing in, in that top 10 for sure. Uh, Sal, you're back now. You're getting into the, into the groove. I know you're uh, planning to go to uh, the Grand Prix of Long Beach. We uh, submitted for that today. Well, what else is on your schedule here? Before we say goodbye, well, we got the we got the winter showdown in Kern, the second part that we had the well, we had the total All Star showdown in Irondale. That's mm-hmm. the end of the season, and then now in two weeks we have the uh, the winter showdown in Kern coming up. So that'll that'll be my next March race, 21st. and then yeah, then after that, then it'll be uh, then it's back to uh, Long Beach, and and then from there just see how the schedule goes. Probably do a lot of Irondale late model racing and. And uh, try and catch as much of the SRL series as I can, and um, you know, just try to stay on top of things. Okay. Well, again, we're glad you're back. I'm, I, I know I said it last week, and I'm saying it again this week. Uh, so we're happy to have you back, and we'll look forward to having you back next Monday night uh, again for uh, race uh, NASCAR race review. And uh, next week we'll be reviewing. Uh, uh, the uh, races at uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway and the trucks are back, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. So, yeah, we're all looking forward to all that. Okay, Sal. Well, thanks so much for all you do. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again next Monday night. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Have a good evening. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Okay. We are now at the top of the hour, and you know what that means. It is time now for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, uh, I'm bringing Jay and Andy in the queue as we speak. Uh, So, Andy, let's start with you as our co-host. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. Jay, how are you both doing tonight? Jay, welcome. All right, uh, I'm doing good. Uh, always excited about hot topics, especially coming off a great show there with a uh, review of the Phoenix weekend. Uh, can't be more pumped up. I know it's only Monday, but already pumped up about next weekend. I know, it is exciting. Uh, and Andy, I know you couldn't be with us uh, last Thursday night, uh, but you're, uh, we're glad to have you back uh, this tonight uh, for our NASCAR Hot Topics Sound Off. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, um, you know, a lot of stuff that went on last week news-wise and, of course, the racing at Phoenix this weekend. A couple of those topics I will address in a Hot Topics article that is to be written tomorrow. So um, you'll see some opinions on a couple different things there. Um, But, uh, yeah, certainly happy to be back. Looking forward to tonight's show. Okay, if you get that to me tomorrow, we'll probably look at Wednesday uh, for publication on that, uh, Jay. Or, oh, I'm getting my names mixed up tonight. I mean, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Uh, Andy, go ahead and uh, let's hit it with the first hot topic here. Well, I think I uh, just want to touch on the, the the race package for the Cup Series. Obviously, the low downforce made its return 
uh, with 750 horsepower, but most noticeably the uh, the lower spoiler, similar to what we saw back in 2018. And just kind of wondered what your opinions were on on the race package uh, that we saw this weekend. Okay, Jay, let's hear your thoughts. Well, I really enjoyed I it. Got- I think the uh, teams teams were all in favor of it. Uh, I saw some interesting things on Twitter today saying that NASCAR actually wanted to do this last year, but the RTA talked them out of it. Uh, I don't know if there's any truth Mm -hmm. to that or if that's just exactly that, a rumor and speculation. But I think overall it did develop or it did produce good on-track racing. Again, we'll have to see how it goes throughout the rest of the year at other tracks that they do this with. But for now, real good thing. I know a lot of people had concern about Phoenix being the site of the championship finale. And several within the industry have said that any concerns they had about it went away. But I know Mike also commented on it in the uh, in the chat room, saying even when they did something like this in 2018, once teams figure it out, the engineers figure it out, they kind of take away all that. And that's true with anything that NASCAR does. You give it enough time, these engineers find ways to work around it. Anytime they take away downforce or add this, you know, these engineers find a way throughout mid-season or towards the end of the season into a ne- the next year that, you know, these engineers, that's why they get hired. That's what they do. So we'll have to see whether or not it lasts and then whether or not NASCAR has to make any more adjustments. Okay. Uh, now I, I want to just mention, too, you mentioned the RTA kind of holding things up. I do remember, uh, I think NASCAR mentioned that before, that the RTA had, uh, they had wanted to kind of uh, put together this short track package for the in for the 2019 season. The RTA asked them to hold back on it. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, it had to do with cost uh, to make that change, and so NASCAR complied and held off on the package. Uh, so I, I I do think that there is some truth to those comments uh, because I remember us talking about it before. I'll also mention I thought the racing was fantastic this weekend with this package. I thought it performed very well at Phoenix Raceway uh, on the one-mile track. I'm kind of anxious to see what it does on the other short tracks on the circuit uh, and, and see how that plays out. But here I thought, I thought it was a big success for NASCAR. Uh, I think the drivers also liked it. Uh, as well as uh, I'm hoping the fans liked it as well. I, I know I did as a fan, uh, so I hope the other fans enjoyed it as well. So, Andy, what were your thoughts? Yeah, obviously um, I could not watch the race. I was at the mercy of the NASCAR app and the scanner, so I was basically just looking at lap times and listening to in-car audio. But just from what I gathered talking to you and Mike yesterday in the chat, both of you got to watch the race. And then obviously uh, just seeing Twitter reaction, it seemed like it was a definite improvement, which is awesome. Um, I think last year we saw a decline in, in ability to pass and in, in overall, I think the overall racing product on the short track. So I think this was a big step in the right direction for these types of tracks. The short tracks and road courses historically produce some of our better races that we see. And, you know, you want that product to be good. So um, definitely a step in the right direction, it seemed like. And I think, you know, a couple of different factors here. Um, if you, you know, slower slower corner speeds, in other words, you know, if, if the car is faster going in the corner, 
and then you have to slow it down in the center and it kind of creates more opportunities for passing because some cars are going to do it better than others. If the car is running a more consistent lap, in other words, you run it flat out all the way around, which you don't do at Phoenix, but I guess the point is with the higher downforce package, um, we saw less passing as a result of the, the package that we had. So with this package, you have to use more brake. When you use more brake, some cars handle better than others. It leads itself to more passing. And then also tire wear, I think, is a factor here, too. Um, you know, with a softer tire okay. that wears more, uh, some drivers and teams are able to manage that better. And when you have more tire wear, whether it be the tire itself or like a worn-out surface like we've seen with Atlanta, Homestead, Chicagoland, and others, um, you tend to see more passing because some guys can do it better than others. And so um, I think the package coupled with the softer tire definitely, I think, improved the product, at least from what I was able to see. So definitely a step in the right direction. I think that um, when they come back here in November, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty crazy because now you've got a championship on the line. So the restarts, from what I can tell, you know, I heard three and four wide a lot. And uh, I think that's only going to be amplified come November, especially when it's, you know, when the money's on the line. So um, definitely excited to um, to see what these short track events like the Martinsville, Richmond, New Hampshire's, uh, they, they have potential to produce some, some really good racing, I think, throughout the season. Okay, Jay, any follow-up? No, I would have to agree, and again, we'll have to see how it affects some of the other short tracks, but as it stands right now, I think all of it was positive uh, results, um, both on track and from the fans, drivers, as well as NASCAR leadership. We heard from uh, Steve O'Donnell. Um, So we'll have to see how it plays out on other tracks, and again, whether or not tweaks need to be made towards mid-season or the end of the year, if engineers start to find a way around it, that brings it back the other way. Okay, now Mike has uh, chimed in here on in our chat room. He's saying, I asked him if he liked the short track package at Phoenix. He said, I did, but I also don't think it's the way forward for the long term. It's the same discussion we had regarding Rovals on the last show. One or two great shows doesn't mean that we should put all of our eggs in that basket. So um, uh, just a little clarification I think it's I think it's the way to go for the short tracks is my first thought there. Uh, it's not the way to go on all tracks, and I think that might be where he's coming from. Uh, but for the short tracks, I think this is definitely the package that should be used on short tracks. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about them, Andy? Yeah, Sharon. Uh, Sharon, I, I 100% agree. I think this is this this design and this. Uh, change in in package was specifically for the short tracks and the road courses. I think it's only going to work for those tracks. I think that what they've done uh, for the intermediate and bigger tracks is is the direction that seems to be working right now. We see you know quite a bit of close racing. People can't really get strung out as much as we've seen in the past. So for the bigger tracks, I think the the higher downforce is is working or you know at least seemingly working right now. And, you know, for the short tracks, I think they had to they had to lessen the downforce to make that particular product better. And it may be a scenario where, you know, in the future, you can't run the same exact type of package at all the different styles of racetracks. You have to maybe run two or three different, 
you know, which they run now. I mean, the super speedway package is is unique. Still, it's your own unique thing. The intermediate tracks, it's it's its own unique thing. And then now the short tracks and road courses, it's its own unique thing. And it may take two or three different types of packages to produce the best possible racing. So, no, I don't think the the low downforce works everywhere, but it certainly, um, I think, is a big step in the right direction for the short tracks for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, uh, Jay, you're up. What's your hot topic? Well, let's uh, we'll just stay there, right there at Phoenix, being that we're talking about that. Saw an article on um, jsty.com on the Phoenix Raceway, the favorite to keep the championship race in 2021. And I really thought, and I've been scanning for something to back that up, but I thought that was a three to five year deal for that championship. Um, I think it's way too early to even say because, again, this wasn't the championship race. It was the first race with this package. Uh, I think we're going to see maybe some different players even come November, obviously depending on who's in the championship and what the teams have learned. So uh, I don't see where they need to make any kind of decision on that yet. And like I said, I really believed it was like a three-year deal that that the championship was going to be there. Um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that it's not. Jay, only because 2021 is when NASCAR is coming out with their um, kind of some big changes, if you will, including the schedule. Uh, And I don't think we're going to see a schedule for 2021 as early this year as we did last year because of that. So I think it's just a one-year deal at, at Phoenix Raceway right now. But, you know, there's a conversation uh, NASCAR's happy with it. Uh, Phoenix is happy with it. Everybody's happy with it at this point. Uh, we'll have to see how the championship actually plays out in November. But uh, there's a lot of talk about keeping it there. But it's a one-race deal. I don't think it's a given that it's going to be a Phoenix Raceway for 2021. Andy? Yeah, to be honest, I I have never seen a duration on, on how long it's supposed to be the, the season finale, but you know, to your point, Sharon, I, I think the 2021 season is a huge unknown. I think the only thing, two things that we know about next year is what, or I should say the only thing we really know about next year is what speed weeks is going to look like at Daytona. But beyond that, um, I feel like next year we could see a almost complete overhaul of, of the series schedule. So, um, you know, I I obviously think that we need to see what that championship weekend looks like this year to see um, how it plays out. But obviously next year's schedule will already have been determined uh, before we even get to see what that looks like at Phoenix. But certainly um, I'm at least glad that they changed the venue. Um, Homestead was the series finale or the season finale for a long, long time, which has been fine but I like seeing them change things up. So at least for this year, uh, it's nice to see a different venue hosted and, you know, hopefully this becomes a trend in the future. If Phoenix is the finale in 2021, so be it. But, you know, I'm hoping in the future that we see other tracks get the chance to host champ weekend. So definitely excited that they change things up a little bit this year. And I would have to think that we'll see some pretty significant overall changes in the schedule for next year, which I'm excited about. I, I'm a huge fan of change and um, I'm hoping that we see a huge shakeup quite honestly for next year. So looking forward to that. 
Yeah, me too. And, and uh, you know, the thing that I like about having at Phoenix, one of the things I like, and we talked about it a little bit with Bill McAnally uh, with the Arkham Menard series and bringing that series west um, and bringing some of the folks from the west to the east, uh, I, I love that it's becoming more of a national uh, thing. Uh, I know we just finished a West Coast swing, uh, and, and NASCAR went out into the West. Uh, but this is incorporating all of the different series, I think, now uh, a lot more. And I really like uh, bringing those lower tiers on the national stage with the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series uh, like they did this weekend at uh, Phoenix Raceway. Same thing is going to happen with the Cup Series and, and the Arkham and Art Series uh, West out at Sonoma Raceway later on and some of the other races here at New Hampshire and Dover in the east. Uh, I, I really love what they're doing with that, and and uh, I, I hope we see more of that next year. And uh I think it's going to be a really big deal, the changes that they're looking at. Phoenix Raceway, uh, I I have no objection to doing it there again in 2021. I just don't think it's a given just yet. I think that NASCAR is working on that, and that's why we're not going to see that schedule. So, Jay, I want to hear your thoughts, your follow-up there. Well, yeah, and I'm in favor favor of it being rotated. I know that there's been talk, and logistically, it just it doesn't make sense logistically to change it every year. But to see them do a two or three year deal, um, again, one race doesn't necessarily determine anything. So give it a two to three year, and then change it up. And I know we're limited on tracks that we would be able to do the, ser- the season finale at. Um, it would be Homestead, uh, Miami, as it was, possibly Las Vegas. Phoenix obviously is getting their uh, opportunity. Auto Club would be another one as far as the weather. I'm not sure I'd like to see the, the championship determined there. But so if you if they were to do it on a two- to three-year basis, um, I kind of like that mix-up, like you said, a little bit of change, and it uh, prevents one team from locking in on a track and, and being the dominant one there. So we'll have yeah, to see how it plays out. Um, like you said, I don't like the fact that next year's schedule may come out already before we've even had one chance at it. So I'd, I'd hate to see that of a, of a track only get one opportunity and it not even be raced on yet before they change it, unless their intent is to change it up every year, which I would be in favor of that. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking this is said with tongue-in-cheek, but Michael is saying put it at Bowman Gray. <laughs> he also is saying I, the thing I don't like, the thing I don't like about Phoenix is that it has two dates. That was the special thing about Miami, was that it was a place nobody went to until that last race. So any thoughts there, uh, Andy? I mean, to be honest with you, I'm almost in favor of seeing no repeat dates um, moving forward in the schedule. I would like to see some new venues um, like a like a gateway, Iowa, you know, places like that make their way onto the cup schedule, and, and in doing so, I would almost like to see other tracks lose their second dates because think of it this way: if you if you have the same number of races, but you have them at more different venues, more people are going to want to come out to that single event, which is good for you know that race and that weekend, um, mm-hmm. and and good and good for the local economy. 
And if you can tag different markets, you can open up, you know, the ability for more fans to get to the track and you open up more facilities to, to take a, a piece of the pie. And I realized that, you know, in some cases losing a second date hurts that local economy, but for the greater good of new markets and other racetracks, I think the overall, you know, economy side of it is a good thing. If you can open it up to new markets, I would rather see, you know, more venues get, get a chance, but you know, that's a little bit of a sidetrack as far as Phoenix getting two races. Um, I have to believe that a lot of teams went into this weekend using it as a test for, for the fall, um, you know, and, and obviously they put on, I thought a, a fairly good show, but yeah, I think that uh, the mentality for a lot of teams was coming out here and seeing how good they could perform and, and learning some things. And probably those that didn't run the way they wanted to used it as a test and we'll go back and, and try to figure it out. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, overall, I'm in favor of seeing more tracks get a piece of the pie, if you will, as far as having, you know, a cup Xfinity or truck race. So I would in, in the future like to see maybe only one race at Phoenix and then have that day go to a new venue. Like, you know, like I said, Nashville fairgrounds, I, I can't take credit for this, but someone posted on Twitter, it might have been Matt Weaver, that said, let's eliminate three intermediate tracks and then give it to Nashville Fairgrounds <laughs> Gateway in Iowa. And he goes, there, you fix the Cup Series. Again, that's from him. I think that's what he said yesterday. And I 100% agree. I would love to see short tracks and some new venues get on the schedule for sure. And uh, if that means we do one race at Phoenix and it's the championship weekend, then, then cool. That's awesome. Okay. Jay, your follow-up. I got a lot of it here. Try and keep it all straight in my head. First off, I want to say Mike has a very good point of that of of Phoenix having the two dates, whereas Miami only had one. I do like that idea. And if I recall correctly by memory, the first I remember hearing of this was Kevin Harvick. And that was on the idea of rotating the championship finale uh, yearly or regularly. And that is where then, if they have two dates, they have to give up that second date for that year, give it to a track. And I believe at that time, Kevin Harvick named Iowa Speedway, but Gateway, Nashville, Bowman Gray, some of those that could use that date. Then when the championship goes to a different track, Phoenix would get its second date back. And whatever track it goes to, if they have two dates, would have to give up that one. So I kind of like where where that possibility lies. Um, the other thing there, though, with uh, Andy's comments on the uh, all tracks losing that second date, uh, when it becomes the Jay Hoosman Cup and Andy owns a track, I want to see how he supports a track <laughs> built and set to NASCAR standards and maintain it by only having one race a year. That's where you come into that problem is that these tracks, in order to survive, need those two events to survive. You know, they do have, a lot of them have obviously weekly racing series or other series throughout the year, but NASCAR is their big money ticket, and only having one race a year puts a strain on that. So uh, you got to look at it from that aspect. I mean, I'm I'm in favor of seeing the new markets and different things like that, and there are some tracks I, I don't like seeing the two dates a year at, but I understand it from that side of it that financially for the track, it's almost a necessity. 
Now, that's a very good point, Jay. And, and I'll tell you what, when these kind of discussions start coming up, my first thought, uh, everybody wants to get rid of the 1.5-mile tracks. Well, Chicagoland Speedway is a 1.5-mile track. I happen to think they put on some fantastic racing at that track. I would hate to see them take Chicagoland Speedway off of the uh circuit just because it's a 1.5 mile track uh but it's one of the tracks that always comes up in that conversation and it scares me every time it does um now i also want to uh michael is also saying i'm pretty sure you can't run a cup race at bowman gray yeah i'm pretty sure about that too uh that was a total tongue-in-cheek at a quarter-mile track will likely not really work well for Cup. Now, there are plenty of places that would be good ads. I already said Gateway in Iowa, but also consider uh, killing the second Daytona date and going to the new Smyrna. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> Some other thoughts there. Okay, yeah, um, let's um, go ahead. I was, I was just going to follow up real quick. Yeah, Jay, um I can play devil's advocate against myself and, and agree with the point that um, some of these markets and some of these venues, they, they really do need the second date. But I mean, if, if for any other reason, then the local economy is, is a big deal. Um, I know that when, I know when New Hampshire lost its second date, you know, a lot of the complaints were about the, the revenue loss for the state and, and, and yeah. So, you know, to the point of some of these venues losing a second date, I can totally see that, you know, it, it would not necessarily be a good thing for either the economy or the racetrack. Um, I would just like to see, this is just me personally thinking out loud, but I would love to see, you know, some new venues get a chance in the future. And to your point, Sharon, there's no way Chicagoland's going anywhere because it's a unique and kind of a its own market. There's really nothing around there, you know, anything close with a Cup Series date. That I, I, I could totally see that place never going anywhere for a long time. And also, if you want to, if you want to fix the racing on these mile and a half, just don't repave them. Chicagoland, Atlanta, Homestead—they <laughs> put on some great racing. Just don't pave them for a long time. I mean, those those worn-out tracks, such as Chicagoland, truly do put some amazing racing on. So, if you want to see, you know, tracks with some character and, and put on a good show and kind of make them unique to their own their own product, then then let them get worn out. I mean, some of the best races are on the worn-out surfaces. Absolutely, and and it doesn't matter if it's a 1.5-mile track. It still produces some really fantastic racing in some cases. Okay, let's uh, go ahead now and move on to the next subject. Um, I know uh, Mike says NASCAR pretty much destroyed Brooks County, North Carolina. They never recovered from losing that race, Um, and, and that's what can happen, so to the point that you guys were making. But let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next topic, Andy. Well, I mean, you can't overlook Gilbert Logano's early season success. He's won two races already in only four events. Is he the favorite uh, or the guy to beat so far this season, or is this way too early to tell? Thoughts on that? Uh, That ties into something that I was thinking about bringing up, but go ahead, Jay. Way too, way too early. I mean, we've seen this before. Uh, teams that have uh, good early season success, where are they come championship time? And I'm not saying that's the case with Joey Logano, but we did kind of see this from Team Penske last year uh, to start the season. They were they were at the top uh, winning some races. So way, way too early. Uh, I mean, give him credit. He has been running really well right now. 
overall running wise, I would have to say one of your contenders is Ryan Newman. But we, or, I'm sorry, not Ryan Newman, uh, Ryan Blaney. Uh, the finishes haven't showed it, but the the strength of the team as far as where they've been running and their opportunities to be the winner, um, I think he's been the strongest team and car overall so far. So. Got to wait until, uh, you know, we at least get into the playoffs. And unfortunately, I have to use Alex Bowman. I mean, he, he had a run of three second-place finishes and a win at Chicago last year. Where was he when it came playoff time? And he self-admitted that. They they dropped. I mean, they disappeared. So it, it's way too early to say anything like that. But right now, he definitely is the one to beat. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm going to do my spiel here, and then I'm going to kind of give you my thoughts and some of my ghost thoughts here. Um, we are coming up to the 10:30 mark, and that means that NASCAR uh, Race Review on our Fan for Racing Radio Network will go off the air at that time. However, uh, we will continue the rest of this conversation because we always have a lot more to say after the 10:30 mark here, and uh, we will continue our the rest of the conversation, and fans will be able to listen uh, on our podcast. Now, what you do if you've listened to the live broadcast is as soon as the podcast comes out and I put a tweet out on Twitter about that, uh, you'll be able to fast forward through the player that I have posted at fanforacing.com and uh, listen to the rest of that conversation. So uh, just uh, don't want to take anybody by surprise, especially if you're listening for the first time, uh, that uh, we could be going off the air uh, in mid-sentence. And uh, just to let you know that you can hear the rest of that conversation on the podcast. Um, Also, if you're listening on on the podcast, uh, for the first time, then y- y- it's going to be seamless. You'll be able to listen straight through without any any interruption at all. But uh, for our live listeners, I, I want to make sure that you're aware that that's going to take place. Okay, now, my thoughts on Joey Logano winning two out of four races uh, this early in the season. I-, I think at this stage, you have to say he's got to be one of the favorites to go on uh, for the championship. But uh, to the point that Jay made, uh, we we need to see what happens the rest of the season uh, to to see how it continues to play out because there's some other drivers that I can think can that I think will be right up there challenging with him uh, as this season continues to unfold. Uh, and so uh, Mike brings up something that I thought about bringing up, and I'm going to go ahead and, and put it out there because I want to hear uh, what your guys' thoughts are about that. Um, uh, radio traffic and on-track action this week and really showed just how over uh, Team Penske Brad Kay is. Uh, and I can't point to any, any specific words that were said, but overall the tone really indicates that Brad is ready to move on. Um, so uh, that is that is one thing that uh, uh, I've been thinking a lot about, and I do think that this crew chief swap has really put a wedge between the friendship uh, between Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. And I think when, when Joey Logano goes out there and wins two out of four races, it's kind of like adding salt to the wound, if you will, uh, for Brad Kay. Uh, you know, that's his crew chief that's uh, getting all the success this season. Uh, and I get the feeling that Brad Kay was not in favor of this crew chief swap. Uh, he really advocated for Joey Logano to come to Team Penske, 
and here <laughs> now it's uh, a little bit of a challenge. So what are your thoughts about that, Andy? Um, I'll, I'll start out first with, with is Logano the guy to be? Um, yeah, it's too early for sure. We're only four races in, um, and I think really – what we've seen so far only really shows us who is prepared for the West coast swing. You know, I think we've already said it before, but you know, these cars and, and all this stuff was prepared for these three races out in the West coast before the season even began. So, you know, all we really know is who came out of the gate strong, but changes can be made to these cars in the coming weeks. I'm sure that when we get to Atlanta homestead, Texas, and they're on that um, we may see some other players step up and, you know, some other teams maybe figure things out. So, um, but certainly they come out of the gate really strong as is, I mean, really team Penske, team Penske and Hendrick, you know, have kind of put themselves at the top so far for 2020. And, um, you know, so certainly are they, you know, maybe the overall one of the organizations to beat? Yes. Um, but yeah, definitely way too early to tell. I think that, you know, Jay, I, I believe you've said that we really need like six or seven races to figure it out. And I would agree. I think that the next three weeks are really critical. Three, um, three mile and a half. Granted, they're all different uh, mile and a half. But, you know, I think that they are critical races for determining who really is the uh, the, the teams to beat. And I, I definitely think that, you know, some other teams are going to figure things out and, and get better um, comers and goers, if you will. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely, you know, see how things play out. But I think once we get through probably the end of March into April, we'll have a pretty good idea of, of who who there is to be because um, you, you got to believe that some other teams are going to get some stuff figured out. With regards to the, the Brad Kozlowski situation, um, yeah, starting to see some some signs that uh, you know maybe maybe we will see a change. Um, you know, I think that something that really stood out to me was, you know, technically Brad Kozlowski is the flagship driver over there, driving the flagship car, the number two car. And obviously, Rusty Wallace made that car famous, but you know, that's the that's the flagship team at Team Penske, and for them to to re-sign what I think technically would be their number three driver in Ryan Blaney before your flagship driver to me says a lot and I, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something, but certainly, you know, to me that that's kind of a big deal. Um, it kind of tells me maybe where the future of that team's headed, which would be Blaney. Obviously he's, you know, he's still young and has a long future ahead of him. Um, but when you sign a driver other than your, your primary driver, um, to me that that's somewhat telling. And also, um, you know, I, I think that certainly I think Brad said this weekend that uh, he would be open to hearing from other teams. And if you're if you're open to hearing, um, you know, from other teams that says that you're you're willing to leave. So. So, yeah, we could 100 percent see some kind of a change. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we should place bets on it or not, but uh, that 48 car <laughs> certainly seems to be uh, coming into the, the the discussion more and more as time goes on. Okay, and to the point that Jay was making, Mike said uh, on the Logano favorite thing, remember last year Kyle Busch won a ton of races early and then fell off the map through the summer and then won the championship. So uh, what are your follow-up there, Jay? Well, uh, he's got a good point about Kyle. You know, you can definitely go through that stretch. Some teams recover. Your championship-winning teams, obviously, like Kyle, are going to. 
we could see that from Joey. Last year he was still in contention but didn't win it. Um, as far as the Brad Keselowski topic, I know, Sharon, I sent you in the, uh, the article I've been talking about, that ride for that number 48, so that'll be coming mm-hmm. out. Address that a little bit, but I think some things this weekend again, and that's why it's coming up, uh, some interviews uh, Brad Ditt, uh had done, and I'm looking for it on Jayski here. I know he addressed retirement and said that's not happening. That was on Twitter as well. I hadn't mm-hmm. even heard that. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. I do not see Brad Keselowski retiring. But outside of that, he was pretty vague and noncommittal, uh, like Andy said. He said he hasn't necessarily talked to anybody specifically, starting with that Penske. He hasn't called anybody, but if they were to call him, he would listen. So that tells you that there's nothing set in stone. And the fact that, as you mentioned, Sharon, Ryan Blaney having signed already um, does tend you to believe that. I'm sorry, that that Andy brought up that, you know, maybe that is where their focus on the future is. And I know I talked about, and I will be doing an article in the next couple weeks on the Penske crew chief swap um, and how that might be an underlying thing to it or play into it. Because I do think that Blaney got the best out of that crew chief swap. Uh, uh, Joey Logano, they talk about that since he's won the two races, you know, that worked out fine. Joey was winning races last year though with Todd Gordon. So, I don't see that as much of a change per se. He's kind of maintained, whereas I think Ryan Blaney has definitely performed better and having gained Todd Gordon. So as it is right now, I would say Blaney came out the best. Joey kind of maintained. It's tough to tell. Again, it's real early with Brad Keselowski. He's still running good, but he has kind of been the third of the three Penske teams. So give that another couple of weeks, and I'll do an article going into uh, some in-depth look at that. Okay, I think that's good. Uh, and, and I just, there were a couple times there where I felt like, man, if, if Brad Keselowski gets up there, he's racing on sheer will <laughs> because uh, he he really wanted to be up there contending for that win. Uh, but anyway, I, I think it's an interesting topic. We'll have to see how it continues to unfold. Uh, and uh, we'll look forward to Jay's article coming out uh, sometime tonight or tomorrow on the number 48. Okay, uh, Jay, what's your next topic? Well, I actually got one that uh, was uh, kind of in my mind, but Quentin brought to me um, for discussion just in general between me and him. We went four for four with Xfinity Series winners so far in four races. What is the possibility of there not being enough spots? We talked about this. The Xfinity has 12 spots available for the championship. So we have four different winners. You have Haley, Chastain, Algar, Annette, Sindrick, and Sieg, who are contending for and running up front. That's six other drivers, and I believe any one of them could win a race. That leaves two spots. And you talk about wild cards such as a rain issue or just pitch strategy where we see a new driver occasionally win, um, whether or not there'd be 12 winners for those 12 spots. Okay, Andy? It's a good, it's a really good point. It was actually the next topic I was going to bring up. So uh, four winners and four races is awesome. That's what you want to see uh, in the Xfinity Series. And I think we've already talked about how in 2020 the series is kind of blown wide open. Personally, for me, I think that there's probably a couple, three drivers that are going to be multiple race winners a lot. So I'm not sure that we're going to see a ton of different winners this year. 
Um, you know, the other ones that, that come to mind that I think will be multiple race winners would be Cindric and, and Allgaier, who I feel like are on the verge of, of earning a win. I would say that there's going to be, I, you know, I don't, I don't see there being more than 10 winners this year in the Xfinity series, honestly, to your point though, that only leaves two spots, um, you know, for the playoffs. But um, I, I feel like when you look at, um, you know, Burton, Briscoe, um, even Brandon Jones, who just came off a very impressive win at Phoenix. Um, you know, Cindric, those are the guys I think that can win a bunch of different races, um, you know, this year. So I, I really think that even though we've seen four um, different winners in four races, I feel like we'll probably see a repeat this weekend. And, um, you know, there's, there's the potential for some of those guys to, to get, you know, five, six, even more race wins this year. So um, I don't, I don't really know if it'll be a factor or not, but that being said, the series is certainly, and I'm I'm forgetting Chastain. I I don't know why I forget him. He, he's an incredible talent. That's probably going to win several races this year too. So um, the series is, is pretty wide open for sure. Um, But I, I do feel like, um, we may not have a big three, but we may have like a big five, six, possibly that each win a bunch of different races. So, um, you know, but as far as those last two spots, it's it's going to be interesting to see because there's definitely some some strong players there that, um, you know, can get their way in. And we may see, you know, a couple guys pull out some wins, either road course or super speedway that uh, throw a wrench in things for sure. Um, you know, we don't we haven't really established a big anything so far because of the fact that we have, you know, four race winners and four races, but I think kind of like to the point of, you know, just in the cup series of establishing who's going to be really strong in the next few weeks, I think that we're going to see one or two guys really come out here in the next couple of weeks. And, and probably, I, I, I feel like we'll see a repeat winner this weekend. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure, but that, that's a good point, Jay, definitely a, a topic worth bringing up. Okay, um, and and uh, Mike is saying it almost happened in Cup Series in 2016. Uh, he, I think only three guys pointed in, and that's true. We we have seen it happen. I, I in the Xfinity Series, I think it's too early to say that it's going to be you know, maybe 10 or 12 different winners. Uh, I think the potential is certainly there, but I have to agree with Andy. I think that we're going to see some of the drivers that are winning now, we're going to see them get multiple wins before the season is over. And, and, and the cream always rises to the top, and that's what I think is going to be fun about watching the Xfinity series is that we'll be able to see that unfold to see who does rise to the top. We're seeing some early drivers do that, you know, with Brandon Jones having a breakthrough win, uh, Harrison Burton, uh, you know, just kind of coming into the Xfinity series full-time with a win already. Uh, I, I, I think that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, for the rest of this season, but I think we're going to see some of those drivers win multiple times, and I agree. Chase Briscoe is one of those drivers. Austin Sindrick is certainly one of those drivers. Uh, Al Gower is certainly capable of that, um, uh, but I, I think we're going to be surprised by Harrison Burton. I think we're going to see some multiple wins from him as well, and possibly even Riley Erbst. Uh He was in the top ten this week as well, and that goes a little bit overlooked, but uh, that's a big deal for him as a rookie as well. And uh, I think we're going to see um, some multiple 
winners in the Xfinity Series this year. So I, I pretty much agree with what uh, Jay, what uh, Andy was saying in that regard. And um, uh, any follow up from you, Andy? Uh, no, no real follow up. But certainly curious, uh, Jay, what you, what you have to say about that? Yeah, that was kind of the, the same answer I did give to Quentin. Uh, you know, those six that he named certainly capable of winning a race, but I think we are looking at several drivers, and you have mentioned, both of you have mentioned them already, that are going to carry multiple wins. Um, so, and then you throw in races where some cup guys come down and pick up wins, or possibly even some part timers. Daniel Hamrick, Jeb Burton running that number eight for junior motorsports um, that mm-hmm. aren't regulars that if they get a win, it just takes that race away. Uh, and I, I agree with Andy. I think we're, we're not going to see a big three. I don't see, think we're going to see anybody come out and win five, eight races like we have in the past years with the big three. So it is going to be wide open, but mm. I see many drivers having multiple wins, which still keeps it tight amongst a group of four, five, or six, in my estimation. Go ahead. Uh, well, there is one. There is one guy that I think is going to win eight to ten this year, but that's just me uh, being a race <laughs> fan. So, um, but I, I honestly think that we haven't. I mean, if you just look at the results and you just look at what we've seen as far as the on-track product for the first four races, we haven't really seen anyone break out yet, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of different drivers be a factor, and I think that that's only going to continue. So, um, But definitely mm-hmm. feeling like we're going to start to see some repeats for sure uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, and I think we will see drivers getting five and six uh, wins this season. I think there, are, I think there's going to be a couple. It might not be a big three yet, but I think there's going to be a couple that are going to rack them up, and I think they're going to make a splash uh, this year in in that Xfinity series. Okay, well, uh, Andy, Andy, hold on, Andy, I'll go head to head with you because I know who what driver you were referring to with Chase Briscoe. If you look at the yep. four races <laughs> this year. Harrison Burton is the one that could have had multiple wins already. And he's going to, he, he has been super mm-hmm. impressive, you know, <laughs> to start the first four races. Um, he is, he's doing a phenomenal job and, and he may have truly a remarkable rookie season. He already is. Um, and I think that. Uh, yeah. His average start is, and finish is amazing. It really is. No, Harrison Burton. I mean, the first auto club was the first of many for him. I, I can see him racking up a bunch of wins this year too for sure so uh yeah definitely uh you know definitely a few of them that are that are gonna have really good years for sure okay uh anything else on your radar andy for hot topics here i know uh um, I, let me before sorry. we before we get into that let me just bring up one uh more general i know Mike brought up one. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the one situation that he brought up, but I'm going to bring it up in a more general sense. I hope you don't mind, Mike. Um, But there's been a a few situations where we've seen drivers uh, kind of battling it out, if you will, on Twitter, the Twitter wars uh, between drivers uh, kind of taking some hot topics, if you will, uh, to the Twitter and uh, some back and forth there. What are your guys' thoughts about uh, doing that? And and is it, in some cases, it's probably is it getting a little too personal, or is that really the best route for them to go? So, Andy, let's start with you. 
So I feel like if there's some kind of an issue between two drivers, it's probably better to do it behind closed doors or have a conversation in person than it is to air it on social media. Um, I just want to go ahead and say that I'm not a driver. I'm not in their shoes. So it's not really fair for me to judge what they do, but I definitely think that, you know, if you're referring to, you know, like the, the Larson Hamlin deal at, at auto club speedway, like I know some people didn't really find that funny. So, um, you know, in some cases it might be better off to just leave some of that stuff off social media. Uh, okay. Jay, your thoughts? Well, I know this came up, uh, Andy, I don't know if you, you did listen to the Monday night show. Uh, I know that's one of them that came up with the, uh, Brian France deal. And there's been several, uh, the auto club speedway between Larson and Hamlin was one, but this one is a different one. And I'll say the same thing there. It's not something I participate in. I think it's rather childish. Uh, that's one of those where I think social media is a downfall to the sport. And I, in my opinion, it's childish. It, that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, I, I think it reflects it's, – I don't think it's the appropriate place to have it out. If you've got an issue with another driver, uh, go face-to-face with that driver and have a conversation. Pick up the telephone, call them, have that conversation. I'm all for that. But to, to take it public on Twitter I think is the wrong thing to do. Uh, we've got a couple situations here that Mike's brought up where people are calling each other names. Um, one driver very well known, another driver uh, not as well known, uh, and and I see it as maybe twofold. Trying to get their name out there uh, could be part of the intent here. I'm not sure, but the thing is, is it's it's a poor reflection on the drivers that are taking part in that kind of conversation. So why they would do it, I'm not sure, because it's not going to improve people's perception of them as people (laughs) not so much as drivers because we're going to judge that based on what they're doing on the track but to take something like this out on twitter i think is a poor reflection on them and uh, i wish they wouldn't do it Uh, i I i just think it says more about them than it does about their complaint about the other person so that's just my thoughts on it andy any follow-up there yeah, no real follow-up, but I, I totally agree with what you're both saying. Um, you know, there are some conversations that are better left between the two individuals involved. So, um, you know, I, I certainly enjoy seeing the drivers and, and crew members participate on Twitter. It's a it's a cool way for the fans mm-hmm. to interact with them. But some stuff, for sure, just doesn't probably need to go on there. Jay, you had it's, something? It's yeah, it's not just fans either. I, one of them that, that I uh, comes to my mind was between a, a sports broadcasting site and a particular announcer. Uh, we've seen it between radio show hosts as, and others, and sometimes it's not just drivers, and it's spouses of uh, drivers or team mm-hmm. members that get involved. And that's where I said it just gets ridiculous and out of hand, you know. And I know a lot of times, and I'm gonna uh, in this case I'm gonna use the name Kyle Bush. Obviously, he gets trolled a lot, and he I think he handles it really well. Some of it he does respond to in kind of a negative tone, but most for the most part, he handles it pretty well and has a response for him. You know, whether you think that's an appropriate mm-hmm. response, I don't think I've ever seen him get way out of hand in calling a fan names or anything, 
but he lets him know he disagrees with it and tells him to stop whining. And if they don't like him, don't follow him type answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's a good response. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, Mike's showing, me, showing us on uh, the chat room uh, somebody eating popcorn. It's I can't think of his name right now. Stuart. Uh, John Stewart from The name. Daily Show. There we John go. John Stewart. Yeah, from The Daily Show, uh, sitting there eating popcorn, watching the Twitter wars. Uh, some fans might find that entertaining. Um, I, I just think it's a bad. I, I think it's a bad uh, reflection uh, on the people that are engaging themselves in that kind of conversation on Twitter. I, when I go to Twitter. I don't want to see it. I just don't want to see that. I want to I want to hear what the drivers have to say. To Andy's point, I don't want the drivers not to be on Twitter. I want them to be on Twitter. Uh, I want them to engage in positive things, answer questions from the fans, uh, and, and all of those kind of things. This other stuff is is high school garbage as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Andy? Uh, no follow-up, I don't think. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with what you're both saying there for sure. Okay, do you you got you started to give us another hot topic. We've got a few more minutes here. Uh, I, I actually don't have anything, so I was going to see if either you or, or Jay had anything to finish us out. Okay, Jay? Well, you know I do, uh, and this is one I know Mike's not on, uh, or still on the chat room, so... Uh, I'm sure we'll hear from him on this one, but NASCAR opted to bring Noah Gregson into the holler this past weekend, cost oh, him, I yeah. think, 15 minutes of practice time. I don't say I necessarily agree with it or that he needed to be talked to, and NASCAR is evidently taking the side that he intentionally wrecked uh, Myatt Snyder, I believe. Um, but we've seen other drivers, and I, I hate to put him under the bus, but Ross Chastain is known as an aggressive driver. So why is it that Mm -hmm. Gregson got singled out as far as his on-track actions when we've seen some other drivers that have certainly been aggressive? And that's what makes me believe that NASCAR really feels he did intentionally wreck Myatt Schneider the week before because we've seen him step in and take action when they know it wasn't intentional and they won't accept that. But there has certainly been some other aggressive drivers out there. So – is it is it the belief that Noah Gregson did intentionally wreck him, and that's what they were addressing? Because I don't think they would have stepped in if it was just over or uh, an aggressive driving style. All right, <laughs> let's hear what you have to say, uh, Andy. Yeah, so I think that obviously they they must have found something, to, some kind of evidence to to suggest that the wreck at Vegas. I think it was Vegas. Um, was intentional, and I think that you know they they may have looked at some other things that have happened the last couple of weeks. I'm not 100% sure, but um, you know I, I I feel like 2020 is a make or break year for Noah Gregson. He's already won the race at Daytona, but you know he has the chance to have this be a breakout year and, and show that he can move up, you know, to the Cup Series and. You know, it's important for him to maybe not necessarily get involved in these types of altercations, especially the one in Vegas. You know, it's important to note that that Myatt Snyder is a part-time driver that he's really not battling with in any way, shape, or form for the championship this year. So, you know, for him to to get his emotions, 
you know, out of check to the point where he either did or didn't wreck him intentionally. I can't really give an opinion on it, even though the replay looks a little suspicious, not going to lie. But, um, you know, for him to, to get involved in an altercation like that and then potentially, you know, have that come back to bite him later in the year. I mean, remember that Snyder is going to drive quite a few races this year between RCR and RSS racing. So, um, like I said, I just think this is a really big year for him to, to have it be a breakout year. But if, if things like this continue to happen, you know, it could be a, a detriment to, to his ability to, to be a contender this year. So, so hopefully they get it figured out. Hopefully they can move on and, uh, you know, he can get things figured out, but definitely, um, you know, definitely interesting that they brought him into the hauler uh, and hopefully they move on from it and he can focus and, and continue to have a good season. Yeah, this is one of those things that you definitely have to kind of go, huh, I wonder what where that's coming from because of the reasons that uh, Andy, or not Andy, but Jay brought up. Uh, we've seen other drivers be aggressive on the track without being called into the hauler. But here's the thing. We don't know the whole story. We only know what we were shown on television. There might have been more to this than meets our eye. Uh, so I'm going to think that NASCAR has looked at it and they've they've uh, done what they felt needed to happen. Um, uh, and and I think you guys bring up some good points. Myatt Snyder um, is is not racing for a championship. Uh, so in some respects, I, I kind of understand why he's complaining because it might be harder for him to have his team out there on the track uh, money-wise uh, than it is for Noah Gregson to be out there on the track. But Gregson, you, one thing you got to remember is Gregson is running for a championship. So he is going to be aggressive on the track, and and that's something that uh, needs to be taken into consideration as well. Uh, I think it's interesting that NASCAR took a part-time driver's comments, though, and and responded to it uh, as and, and I think it has to all be put into perspective. Is where I'm going with this. Um, and I agree with the comments here, too, that uh, Gregson really didn't do himself any favors. Uh, he's supposed to be making friends on the track, not making enemies. Uh, I, I do think that he's one of we, – and we've seen a lot of drivers have this kind of driving style. I don't think he's alone with this driving style. Um, that We've seen Chris, Chris Bell do it. Uh, we've seen Tyler Reddick do it uh they they drive with a certain recklessness where they're driving on that edge and they're looking for where that fine line is between being inside and being outside and that's what they're doing when they're out there on the track um so uh whether he did it intentionally or not uh i think you have to look at the whole picture and we don't have the whole picture um but i think that's what gregson's doing i think that uh, he's trying to find that that where is that boundary, where is that line, and unfortunately, it makes him come off as a very reckless driver. Um, but he he really does have to keep his head in the game and think long term in regard to to making some friends out there as opposed to an enemy that could hurt me hurt him uh, somewhere down the road here when he is contending for that championship. So uh, the dynamics of this whole thing does seem a little bit off to me uh, to the point that was brought up here in, in bringing this up, uh, but. 
uh, again, I feel like we have a limited view of what the whole picture is. So any follow-ups? Jay? Well, I will say... I will say this. He did try to uh, talk to and give uh, Mike Schneider the fist bump. Uh, I know that got overplayed for uh, for a week or so, but um, obviously Mike Schneider didn't uh, didn't accept it. And that's one of those he's going to have to learn. And, and you know, we mentioned a couple. Mm-hmm. Joey Logano is another one. And I think Joey mm-hmm. has come to the point where he did tone it down. He is still aggressive. But he also then accepts when it happens to him. So that's a big factor. Mm-hmm. If you're going to dish it out, you got to be able to take it. And I think that Joey has always said that. You know, I, I believe actually he he said it during his post race uh, at Phoenix that he was expecting the bump from Harvick. You know, if he could yeah. get through him and, and get to his bumper, he was expecting the bump from Harvick. So he's aware that if he's going to race people that way, others are going to race him that way. So. Uh, I think that's part of Joey's maturity level um, as far as that, you know, whether that plays out when we, if he gets wrecked or something and he lives up to that, we'll have to wait and see. That's a good point. I do remember Gregson going up to him and I think he was taking accountability for the incident actually, and uh, was trying to explain to him how it happened. Uh, And like you said, Myatt Snyder didn't want to have any of it. And, And that is maturity. And I think that over time, uh, you know, that same situation might play out differently if it were to happen exactly the same way again some, at some point in the future. Uh, because they may, I hope they both had something to learn uh, from that experience. So we'll see. You know, we'll see how it plays out. We've seen other drivers not have maturity uh, coming into these series and, and how they've grown and developed over the years. So I'm sure we'll see that again. Okay, we're coming up to the top of the hour here. Let's go ahead and do our roundtable. So, uh, Jay, let's start with you. All right. Uh, one last thing there. I just want to say uh, it was good to see Ryan Newman at the track. I know uh, he kind of yes. did a couple little interviews, but he was at the track involved in the team. Uh, still hasn't released anything. I believe he's going to be on some TV show tomorrow on the Today, uh, show, Today uh, show on Wednesday morning. Sorry, on Wednesday morning. Uh, hope to hear some more news on when a timetable for him to return. I'm not looking for it to be immediate if he's not ready. Obviously, that, that that he needs to be ready. But I do hope it is sooner rather than later, and we get a kind of an update on that. But it was great to see him at the track. And the roundtable? Um, yep. Yeah, uh, follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman. As Sal says, he knows me as Michael. Uh, that is my Facebook uh, <laughs> profile. And then Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, actually submitted two articles. I know Sharon's gonna gonna look them over. Um, one on the the ride for the number 48, as well as this weekend's coming up, the Arkham Menards East series at Five Flag Speedway, which I will be down there to ha- uh, cover for Fan for Racing. And then starting to get into the dirt track season. Uh, I haven't been to one yet, but I'm gonna be announcing one on the 21st at Molten Speedway and get the dirt track season kicked into full gear here. Okay, sounds good. Andy? Yeah, for me, it's uh, Twitter at Alasky14, and uh, I will write a Hot Topics piece tomorrow 
um, kind of talking about uh, Tony Stewart's Xfinity return as well as the Bush Clash on the uh, road course. I'm sure you guys talked about that last week when I was not yeah. present on the show, but I am uh, very excited to give my thoughts in uh, written form. So that'll be out tomorrow and be published later this week. So hope everyone has a good week and looking forward to uh, hopefully being back on Thursday. Okay, awesome. Okay, I am uh, Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio uh, on uh, Facebook, and then, of course, fanforacing.com is where all of our work is published uh, at Fan for Racing blog and radio. Uh, definitely looking forward to the preview show that will be coming up this Thursday night. We'll be, be previewing the races at uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. I'm excited that the trucks are back on track. This is going to be uh, another triple header weekend, so uh, uh, definitely hunting. think that's going <laughs> to Pardon me? Bounty hunting this weekend. I didn't, <laughs> oh, bounty hunting. That's right. Uh, there's going to be some bounty hunting in the truck series with uh, uh, Chase Elliott uh, racing in the trucks at his home track, and uh, he's going to make it exciting, I'm sure. Uh, then when we go to Homestead, I think it's Kyle Larson who's going to be uh, going after that uh, bounty. So that's going to be fun to talk about on Thursday night. And then, of course, Five Flag Speedway, we will be talking about them as well on our preview show. And I hope to put a tagline to that effect in your preview, Jay, when we post your uh, preview for the Five Flag Speedway race in the Arkham Yard Series East. Uh, we'll plug our radio show as well on Thursday night in our preview there. So um, uh, I will be working on my in-focus uh, for this week. Uh, I've got a couple of ideas of who that might be. I don't know which one it's going to be at this point, so I'm going to leave that uh, uh, as uh, a suspense right now as to who, who I land on uh, for that article, but look for that to come out uh, about Wednesday or Thursday this week. So uh, definitely uh, a lot happening at BanforRacing.com. I did get uh, a request uh, from somebody else who's interested in perhaps becoming a writer. Uh, so uh, we'll stay tuned there to see if we get another writer. Owen will have his uh, winners and losers as well as the power ranking that will come out uh, sometime between Tuesday and Wednesday this week. And uh, uh, I'm just real excited at uh, the productivity uh, that's happening within our Fan for Racing crew this year. And uh, I know Sal's going to be in Long Beach Grand Prix uh, on April the 19th, so I think uh, we'll have a lot uh, coming out from there as well. So that'll be fun. So with that, I think uh, we're ready to call it a wrap, unless you guys have anything more that you want to say. Uh, no, should be good. Have a good night. We'll uh, talk to you Thursday. Yeah, we'll talk okay. to you on Thursday night. Okay, thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in and to Michael for participating in our chat room tonight. We appreciate it. Good night, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.